anyway, um, do we want to talk about anything before we talk about Solo? You want to talk about Westworld at all? Uh, we can. We should probably start the podcast first, though. Let's do that. Hello, I'm Benjamin Light. And I am Marco Sparks. And we're back after a little hiatus there to talk mm-hmm. about uh, stuff, mostly solo a Star Wars story, maybe also Deadpool 2 uh, Westworld. I don't know. Uh, do you have like theories you want to discuss or? No, not, not per se. Um, how are you feeling about this season so far? I would just like to say that the uh, Akani no Mai episode is so much better than every other episode of the season. And people are insane if that's the one they're complaining about. I enjoyed it, but I also enjoyed the one right before it as well. And the one before is fine, but I don't know. I, I guess I'm I'm not as into the uh, the mysteries of Bernard and the Man in Black as other people are. Mm. Um, are you getting a little tired of the Dolores storyline at all? Literally, okay. everyone is. Okay, good. Because yeah. it's like the same evil monologue for five episodes now. And it's like maybe that's all part of the plan, but yeah, um, I I guess Evan Rachel Wood really drew the short straw this season. Yeah, and I just I don't know James Marston. There's something about him I can't take entirely seriously. Dude seems like a liability. The the actor, I'm in the character, but maybe the actor too. Okay. <laughs> Everyone, keep your eye on Marston. I don't trust him. Yeah, you know he was Cyclops, don't you? He's the guy that gave Liz Lemon all that shit about her night cheese. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> but no, I, I like, like all the Shogun Rules stuff. What is she doing with Teddy? Uh, Teddy? Teddy sucks. I don't... He's boring. Um, yeah, the Maeve stuff is so much better. I... I guess the stuff with, like, Lee... It kind of was irksome at the beginning of the season to me. Like I'm kind of enjoying. He's growing on me. I didn't. I yeah, hated him last season, but he's growing on me. His dynamic with Maeve is working for me. Um, and I just kind of liked because I liked all the Japanese actors they brought in, but I really liked just the, watching them <laughs> encounter their like doubles, mm-hmm. as it were. Uh, it was an interesting because you had two episodes where you had characters like watching their past actions carried out by other people. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't want this to be a show where there's like a weird chronological temporal twist each season. Well, though, it's like, cause that's, cause it's like, does there have to be, can't you just tell the story? Like, what are we really gaining? Like I the first season you could say, well, this showed you the development of, you know, the, the man in black, William, whatever his name is. And like how he becomes, you know, an evil dark person by finding himself mm-hmm. in the West world, whatever, you know, fine. But what are we gaining by all this like little chronological, you know, gimmicky stuff they're doing this season? I don't really know. Well, it's it's just interesting that this this year there's more of a, I guess, in story purpose, if it's really a necessary purpose. I don't know. But more in story purpose of Bernard. I mean, I'm assuming Bernard two weeks in the future is actually a different Bernard or something. I don't know. I just I feel like it's a waste of Jeff. uh, It's Jeffrey Wright, right? Call yeah. Jeremy for some reason. It's a waste of Jeffrey Wright's talents to just have him like stumbling around, like muttering and kind of like shaking and out of it. 
every time I, I watch some of those scenes, I just think back to Jeffrey Wright and Quantum of Solace. I'm always thinking of Jeffrey Wright and Quantum of Solace. <laughs> yeah. Like that's that's one of my uh uh I don't want to say spirit animals. What's the thing from uh uh Harry Potter? My Patronus. Your Patronus. <laughs> it's, Jeffrey, okay. it's Jeffrey Wright like crushing a beer. I just I just want more Jeffrey Wright when he's not like befuddled the whole time, you know. Yeah. When he's a little more in control and a little just like he just has like this cool gravelly vibe he drops occasionally, you know, like in Quantum of Solace, where he's just like, You got nine seconds. Yeah. I'm just gonna sit here and drink the rest of this bottle of beer. I really wish they would bring him back for this like oh, fuck final yes. Dino Craig Dino Craig. They totally should. Like, I don't know. I mean, what do you feel about like, like a Danny Boyle, James Bond movie? I mean, I guess I'm encouraged because it's not the main writers, right? Yeah, it's, it's John it's, Hodges. It's Danny Boyle's guy. It's Danny Boyle's guy, which I'm like, good. Okay, yeah. It's not the Skyfall and uh, Spectre guy. Good. I know there was all these bullshit rumors when the other guys were, were doing it. That they would do the On Her Magic Secret Service thing where they'd kill off what's her name. Um, I hope they just never reference Spectre at all. Oh, um, the Leah Sado's character? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I totally forgot about her. You know, I actually randomly was watching Rogue Nation last night. What a far better movie that is than Spectre. Well, doesn't uh, the new one look like the, the Mission Impossible version of Spectre? Uh, you mean uh, Fallout? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's... I'm just trying to remember that much about Spectre to begin with. It was so boring. Um, maybe a little. That, that, the guy that I don't like with the voice that I can't stand just being like, it was me, Ethan, the author of all of your pain. I mean, at least he's actually been in two of the movies. Um, but Has he been in I did about two now. Two now, yeah. I did not realize that that was the same character from Rogue Nation until I was watching Rogue Nation last night. And I was like, oh, that's the same guy. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Rogue Nation's not bad. I mean, it's not my favorite, but it's it's not bad at all. It's just like a very well-made, competent action movie. You don't see that a whole lot these days. Yeah. Speaking of less competent, well-made action movies, do you have any thoughts on Deadpool 2, which we saw together? We did. We brought the band back together to see it. I I don't have a lot of thoughts. Here's my here's my here's the gist of it. I didn't really care for the movie, but I did think it was better than the first one. Really? I would yeah. say I didn't really care for the movie, and I thought it was worse than the first one. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know the the like the fridging that happens in this movie, and I I feel like that that term gets a little overused these days. But like, there's no other way to to term what happens here. It's not like a borderline situation or anything. It is like a mega fridging of not only one character, but then another another character has their whole family fridge as well, and it's. It's like the movie is doing it thinking they've invented this. Like nobody has ever done this before. It's like the way kind of like the credit sequence plays out. Like, oh my God, did they really do that? And it's like, yeah, you guys aren't that original. He'd break it to you. <laughs> well, and just the way they reset it at the end as if, I mean, I guess they don't care. I mean, that's the thing. They don't give a fuck. I guess we should say spoilers. It's, Whatever. Yeah, spoilers. spoilers. Like you could spoil Deadpool. This movie's dumb. It's dumb pool. Like, it's such a fucking ego. Are, are you over than 16 years old? You're, you've already been spoiled. Yeah. I, I, nobody gives a shit about the fucking Green Lantern thing as much as Ryan Reynolds. I just, that's one of those jokes that, like, I don't know, our theater ate it up. And I was just like, 
uh-huh. like I don't, I don't our, know. Just... Our Reddit like uh, chat room that we also saw a movie in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, his fucking origin story is that like one night in a dark alley, like he starred in Green Lantern, and somebody made fun of him about it on the internet, and so he's just made it his mission to like attack that. I don't know. I just this kind of humor is not for me. I guess. It's like, oh, yeah. you, you made fun of the DCEU. Har, har. That's not hard to do. I mean, that's. I just want to see the Negasonic Teenage Warhead movie. Like, she's the only character in these movies that really interested me. Not nearly enough of her. Way too much Colossus. I mean, comparatively. Yeah, who cares but, about Colossus? Um, and I, I didn't mind domino but the movie didn't give a shit about domino domino uh, domino to me was like a really good performance with a character that just there's not a whole lot there for her really to do you know yeah like i i couldn't tell you like let me give you like the the five character traits of domino after watching this movie it was just like a charismatic performance with nothing really backing it up you know i mean they I people like want a domino movie now. It's like, yeah, you could do one, but I think you'd actually have to like figure out what her character is. Um, yeah. it, the actress is great, and so I'm sure you could do something with that. But I mean, can you do a Deadpool spin-off? Does it also have to be like super like fourth wall breaking and sarcastic well, I, I, I and all that? Like she's gonna be in whatever the hell X Force yeah. is. Yeah, I don't know how that's gonna work exactly. I saw something where like the Disney deal with Fox is uh, it's got like a new contender like somebody I can't remember who Comcast. Somebody with like a big cash deal Comcast yeah which I mean who wants that I mean the merging of Disney and Fox isn't great but I would way rather rather Disney bought Fox and fucking Comcast so yeah I mean do they even have a superhero franchise mm-hmm. oh no they have um, the dark universe <laughs> And um, I think Fast and Furious. No, that's Universal. Sorry. Um, wait, Universal Deadpool is a dark is... universe too. What is? What the fuck does Columbia? Or no, not... go ahead and put Deadpool in a fucking Fast and Furious movie. Why the fuck not? <laughs> wait, does Universal? Are they owned by Comcast? I, I keep getting these mixed up. I think yeah, I think Comcast owns Universal. So yeah, they had the dark universe, and I think the Fast and Furious movies. And maybe who owns Jurassic Park? Maybe Comcast does too. Hmm. So they can. I don't feel like Jurassic World Two would do that great. So like maybe I have seen that fucking trailer way too many times. If that bombs, they can go back to the original Jurassic Park Four script. It seems like they keep trying to go there anyway, with the whole <laughs> stupid dinosaurs being trained for combat thing. Uh, and just drop, drop a fucking reality bomb in there and just have Jeff Goldblum from Ragnarok show up in that one. <laughs> With this little keyboard. It's little keyboard. <laughs> oh, and the uh, just constant like fireworks going off as someone sings, it's my birthday. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we've rambled for 10 minutes, I guess we should talk about Solo, a Star Wars story. Yes, it is a Star Wars story. Uh, obviously, big, big spoiler warning. Yeah. We, we say believably after possibly spoiling some other stuff, but you know. <laughs> All right, well, give uh, me your opening statement. Oh uh, man, the cape budget in this movie was flowing. Um, I thought this movie was fine. I didn't, I didn't say I'd love it. I don't want to sound like every other person on the internet. Uh, I'm sure you have some deep 
ingrained thoughts. I thought it was fine. I was enjoyable. Um, I don't know if it was super memorable to me, but I kind of appreciate the fate of the universe wasn't at stake with this movie. I missed the kind of, I don't know, there's like a, with Force Awakens and Last Jedi, there's definitely in those saga movies, like you feel that auteur at work behind the scenes, even as they're meshing with Star Wars style. And Rogue One was just a mess, as we've talked about before. So I don't know, like this movie will be kind of interesting to discuss about how much is Ron Howard? Obviously, probably a lot. How much is the other two guys? But I feel like some of the stuff worked. Some of the stuff really didn't work to me. Um, the look of it, it wasn't always like a space western when I wanted it to be. It wasn't always a film noir when I thought it should be. And I have to say, like watching this, I was like, man, how can you not see that Amelia Clark has a face that was just meant for like classic film noir lighting? Um, In a character anyway, so that's I, halfway written. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's all over twist meets the uh the rita hayworth movie but anyway so i feel like we essentially got a live action fan service cartoon that was still a thousand times better than rogue one at least for me oh yeah i mean i'm on a, a similar wavelength i think solo has a ton of charming characters and performances in it that it kept me engaged and allowed me to look past a lot of the glaring flaws um i will say on the second viewing i've seen it twice now those issues stood out a lot more to me um, if I'm trying to be objective, I don't think I could re- this could really be like considered a good movie. I give it a pass because it's Star <laughs> Wars um, and it's full of annoying little things, but it's at least fun to watch. I mean, they basically check off a bunch of the predicted beats. You know, you got meeting Chewie, winning the Falcon, the Kessel Run. I'm not sure uh-huh. if they're really improving on any of the previous canon with any of those, like maybe the card game. Um, nope. I found the cinematography shockingly bad. This is just an ugly movie to look at. Um, Especially after watching like The Last Jedi and how great that looked. I mean, Rogue One can at least claim to look better in this movie. Um, I did think the score in this by John Powell is way, way better than Rogue One, though. And I'd say it's ultimately it's it's diverting entertainment. It's very slight, too safe. Maybe not exactly capturing the culture of Zeitgeist based on the box office. Um, I wouldn't mind a sequel to this, though I wouldn't be sad if we didn't get one. And who knows how that's going to go. I think Alden Ehrenreich, he was fine. I'm not sure if I ever like truly believed in my mind I was watching Han Solo and not just a young kind of up and coming scoundrel. Like I don't know if my mind ever fully like made that that leap to like where I I was like, oh yes, this is Han Solo. I feel like Han Solo's like little brother, or an approximation of Han Solo. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like I feel like Valkyrie and Ragnarok's more of Han Solo than <laughs> Aaron Reich. Not that I thought Aaron Reich was bad. It's just also you never really get a sense of his character. I don't. I don't think. I mean, he's he's and not he can, quite like 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 G shucks, but he's like kind of a little bit. Yeah, he's got he's got a little bit of his uh, beautiful creatures vibe to him. I feel like, um, which I guess you can kind of hand wave away and say, well, this is Han when he's younger and less jaded or whatever. But I don't know. Harrison Harrison Ford is irreplaceable. He just is. Shouldn't he be jaded? Corelli is a fucking toilet. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think there's some missed opportunities with the Han character that I, I don't I put more on the writing than on Alden Ehrenreich. Um, I was like looking at Kiro as they're like trying their scheme in the prologue. And I was like, damn, she looks adorable in this kind of like pseudo 80s pixie look as they're running or, or like a, to another. There was like a 50s like American graffiti vibe to that, too. You know? Yeah, um, I mean. This is a movie where, in universe, we now believe that the Imperial March is used in like propaganda uh, ads to recruit to the Empire. Not a fan of that. 
I'm gonna I, I might turn into one of those annoying people where I'm like only the saga movies are canon because uh yeah, there's some shit in this movie. Well let me let me ask you a question then. You can choose how spoilerly to answer this this early. Do you feel like this movie sets up not so much a, a solo sequel per se? There's a joke in there somewhere, but like really setting up like uh a thread through the the uh, non saga movies? Like, does, do you feel no, like I don't. Jumps to I don't. I think um, I think if there's one thing Lucasfilm is incredibly bad at, it's doing that sort of thing. And I don't think this is any sort of improvement or new direction on their part. I think it was a stupid Easter egg um, because they've already kind of told that story. And, and we'll get to that later. But yeah, so I don't know what the fuck they're doing because that story has already been told and ended. Like. What? I want to hear Ron Howard's reaction to like, was he like cool with this? Was this something he came up with or something that was like on the page when he walked in? Let's let's hold off on that. Um, Okay. Let's talk about our top moments first. Do you have any honorable mentions? I guess I have kind of three. Three honorable mentions? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, I I don't know. I was just trying to think of stuff that happened in the movie that I enjoyed. I have... Four mentions total. Okay. And I can't say that I'm super in love with any of them. Yeah, that's it's when I was trying to come like, what's my number one? I'm like, eh, I don't know. Um, yeah. So I, I'll just burn through a few of these. Um, the when the Falcon is trying to escape the maw and like the uh, coaxium or whatever, like finally like kicks in mm-hmm. and they like blast away. Like that was kind of cool. Mm. Um, yeah. The and this should maybe be higher. I don't know. The Calrissian Chronicles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> enjoyed that. They they really had to wedge in references from all three of the Lando Calrissian adventures books in this movie. Here's what I'm saying: you go back, you re-release audiobooks of those. But mm-hmm. here's the catch: not only do you get Donald Glover to do them, you just let him freestyle. You yeah, let him you, you let him off the page if he wants. You let him interpret just it. Let him yeah. do his thing. Give him a weekend in a recording studio and like a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So those are my quasi honorable mentions what do you got for number four uh i didn't love how it ended but there's a moment there where i started to feel like this could be a haunt i could enjoy with just a hey you see that freighter over there we got a whole army of mercenaries in that freighter it just immediately takes off and flies away that is one of those moments where you're like man harrison ford would have fucking killed that it's not that yeah, alden yeah. ehrenreich was bad but it's just like well, the there are moment, some people with preternatural charisma who can just uh, land stuff like that, and Aaron Reich's not quite that guy. Well, the thing, too, is it, the moment is immediately thrown away because mm-hmm. he just steps back, looks at Beckett, and it's just like, continue what you were doing. And it's like Beckett and Memphis Ness both just pretend that didn't happen. You can, you can picture the exact facial expression that Harrison Ford would make after such a thing would happen, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, Aaron Reich doesn't have that that gear, I guess. Yeah. Uh, my number four honorable mention would just be the the Infus Nest reveal. Um, mm. That was a really interesting character that I enjoyed. I don't know how well she works in the larger story, but um, I, I like where they went with that. I was hoping for something not boring to happen, you know, and it did. Mm. Yeah, I don't have really Infus Nest in my. Um my top mentions, but she was a favorite of mine. Yeah. My number three moment is kind of vague. The train heist wasn't terrible. Mm-hmm. The, the general bones of that scene was interesting and was somewhat competent that I got what was going on with like the, you know, four different like 
modes of action happening at once. Can I can I just break into our top moments here to talk about how that scene could have been better? Please do. So let's get Ron Howard on a when you're too. when you're doing a heist. There's like this thing that lots of movies do, including Rogue Nation, which I was watching last night, where like they run through like how it, what the plan is and how it's going to go down and like the ways it could go wrong. And they kind of half did that in this, but not entirely. Like, I think there is an opportunity to kind of break the usual style and get into more, like, break out of, like, the, you know, the usual Star Wars, like, you know, wipes and, you know, typical shots you'd see in a Star Wars movie and, and do a little montage or something like that to set up the heist so that we know oh, this is going wrong right now, or oh, they need to do this before this happens a little bit better than what they did. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it should have been a better heist scene. Yeah. For sure. Uh, My number three moment, it's just a slight thing, but Han and Kira and the stolen speeder on Corellia, it just... I know, it had a very American graffiti vibe to it. I like their looks then, like the jacket he's wearing and like her hair and kind of the 50s mm-hmm. style. Um, I just, I don't know. It was a good vibe. Yeah, it was uh, a good little like joyride. Um, I could see something again, if this was Han's little brother, like it goes wrong. He gets arrested. He's sent to live with Sandy Cohen and the OC <laughs> afterwards, which will be fun. I think they uh, both Chewbacca's did a, the neighbor. They both did a good job of looking pretty young in those scenes, you know, like, uh, Amelia Clark was doing a very good kind of like infatuated, you know, teenage girlfriend. It was, you know, it was partially her acting. It was also partially her hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hair goes a long way. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't totally two? love this moment. My number two is, is the moment where Han plays the last card at the end, which he took from Lando. Um, I don't think, I think that could have been better. It reminded me, <laughs> I'm in the theater. I'm thinking about the end of the fucking like, uh, the Maverick movie. Because <laughs> mm. it's just, I mean, obviously, you know, if you know these characters, you know, there's like a card game that's going to come up that's going to decide the fate of the Falcon. And so I guess you're just constantly waiting and you're watching all of those scenes extra hard. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought they did a good job with like setting up like Lando the Cheater, the Grandstander. Um, yeah. 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 My number two is a train job. Um, like I said, I, I think there could have been improvements to it, but still, it was fun. I liked the way they like cl- harnet, like clip themselves to the sides of the train so that when it rolled, they'd just be hanging off the side. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, him like unhooking himself to fall, you know, so he doesn't get hit by the thing. That was cool. So it was a good little action set piece. I I really wonder like what of this movie was Ron Howard and what was Lord Miller. I suspect that that was mostly Ron Howard. I could be wrong, but yeah, I read a little more that I didn't know about some of the stuff leading up to their uh, demise on the project, which was interesting. Um, seems like it was a lot of issues with Kasdan. Kasdan senior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, they were like improvising on a script and he didn't like it. It was the, the main story I've heard. Well, then they like compromise by like, filming the page and then doing extra takes, which mm-hmm. is like ridiculous. Well, they're also doing the classic thing. Like if your studio tells you we want lots of takes that, you know, we're all good. So we have options in the editing room and they do fewer takes to specifically drive the edit. Like mm-hmm. you're going to promise. Anyways, my number one, um, 
again, incredibly small moment, but there's a moment uh, in the cockpit of the Falcon as Chewie thinks he's going to get in that co-pilot seat. And he frowns when Kira slides into it and Han kind of like smiles at her. And it's like, you can really feel Chewie's hurt until he finally gets to, to get in the moment. And then he got the moment from the trailer was like, since when are you a pilot? 190 years old. You look great. <laughs> Which we know from Last Jedi. Chewie's a fucking amazing pilot. Yeah. He's like, get the fuck out of that chair. <laughs> we would have been out of here like 20 minutes ago if you let me sit down. Yeah, my number one uh, would just be like Han and Lando's second card game, if for no other reason than that like Hawaiian shirt that Lando's wearing. Um, yes. That was an amazing look. I would, I need to see more of that look. I need that shirt. That the merchandising has really sold the one outfit. Mm-hmm. I need to start seeing the action figures and the Funko Pops and whatever for this this vacation Lando outfit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. There's something about Donald Glover's performance that, like, for the first couple moments, I love it. And then the second couple moments, I feel like because of his energy, like, he's just doing a bad impression and it feels like it's a joke. And then, like, it comes right back around to me loving it. It feels like perfectly Billy D. Williams. And I just kept, like, gravitating back and forth between these two modes and eventually just enjoying that. I mean, I think he gets (laughs) maybe minorly hung out to dry having to do, like, a death scene with a pile of junk, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, no robot. Yeah. Uh, Which I feel like he was not totally into that scene. No, it's like, you could tell he, he thought probably thought it was bullshit. He's like, finally this joke is over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, any, any big complaints before we get into our general discussion? Uh. Some of the stuff was just blah, and it's, it's some of the stuff is the things you complain about with, with prequels. I don't think I really needed to see. Obviously, from a studio's perspective, they need to, but I don't really need to see like the Kessel Run. Because, I mean, like I have my own theory about the Kessel Run. I'm sure a lot of people have theirs. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I Any have... kind of expectations going in this movie is going to lead to a hard time for you. Yeah, I have a few complaints. Um, the Let's cinematography... Like I said, I just, but not like the mise en scene, and also just like the camera work. There's a ton of handheldness that I found distracting and annoying, and it, everything just looked like dimly lit garbage at the same time. Like there's a literal mud planet where it's just like yay mud. It's gray and brown everywhere. Like I just, it's this is easily the ugliest Star Wars movie ever made. I, mean, I think like Battle for, End- for Battle for Endor looks better than this. Ooh, yeah. Um, we will talk more about that cameo at the end. Not a fan of that. I think the script was pretty loose. It didn't hold together as well as I would have expected from Lawrence Katzen's script. Yeah. Um, L3 and her droid revolution. It didn't seem to thematically fit as well as it could have with the rest of the movie. And there's like, there's ways where you could see it like fitting in very well. If you're going through this whole idea of like freedom and, you know, subjugation and whatnot, but they'd never really landed it, I don't think. Okay, so what did you feel about all of that in general? Like L3, is it L3, 3T, or 3-7? Yeah, it's L3, Lee? yeah. Um, I liked that droid at first, and it was funny for a while, and then it just, like, it just seemed like they kept getting more and more over the top with it until it was just like, oh, thank God she's dead, you know? Mm-hmm. 
I, on paper, this would have been an idea I loved. I couldn't stand it. it like it never worked for me. It just felt like it's, it's like got now. Too. Now you've decided to start a revolution in the middle of the heist, or I don't know. It's just like it seemed annoying after a while. You know, like mm-hmm. it's like why hadn't this happened until now? It didn't feel organic. Um, I don't know. I, I liked it at first. Her conversation with Kira is funny if a bit awkward um but then it's just like it's they kept ratcheting it up more and more until it was no longer entertaining to me i did enjoy the line it's like something like uh oh it works oh it works (laughs) yeah lando (laughs) fucked his droid i mean i have a lot of questions about droid sex yeah um and just lastly like it's this is like a weird kind of uh maybe hypocritical complaint because on the one hand i feel like they're forcing too many references to the old eu into this movie but then on the other hand, I feel like they're covering a lot of ground that's already been covered in the old books and not doing it as well. And so like I feel like the way that Lucasfilm has decided to mine its old material is very odd and kind of like the opposite of what Marvel does, where like a lot of things that have happened in all the recent Marvel movies have happened in one way or another in the comics. And they just kind of like find a way to like make it its best version of itself in those movies, like, you know, the snap and Infinity War that's been in the comics. Whereas in this, it's like they want they want to strip mine it for like weird little Easter egg details of like names of planets and characters, but then they put their own weird spin on like the actual story that to me is like usually not as good as it was. And I understand like they want to tell their own story, that's fine, but it's just weird to me the details they decide to to pull in and the stuff they decide to throw out. Hmm. I mean the the way Savic works and the books is just more interesting than the way it's portrayed on screen. How or, does it work in the books? Um, I can't remember the exact rules, but it's basically like the cards that they have, like they, they shift to different values as you play. And so you, that's like, hmm. you have to be aware of that when you're betting. Cause like it can change at any time. And um, I don't know. There's a, in some of the books they go into like great detail of how it works, but it's, it's interesting because it's like their hand can change in a second and like you can put your cards in like a little interference field where like they're locked at that state. And so they're not going to get any better or worse. And it just, and it's like they're trying to add up to a score of like, I can't remember what it is. It's like 21 or maybe 19 or 23. I can't remember what a pure Savic is, but it's like, that's a number value you're trying to get to. Um, they could have easily, I feel like, explained enough so that you knew what was going on in that scene. You weren't just like watching people play cards where you had no idea what, who was winning and who was losing, you know? Mm. Cause like okay. when, when Han, you- when Han reveals his hand, you're like, cool. You know, like, you're like, is that good? I don't know. They, they seem to be acting like it's good. Yeah. I think that they could have gone into more, more, you could have had more fun with that. Mm-hmm. Like doing the, the poker tropes, with like a game that no one's ever going to understand the rules to. And it wouldn't be that hard Uh, to just show basically numerical values. And you know that like they need to get to this number, you know? mm -hmm. Um, Anyways, let's get into our general discussion. Sure. There's Uh, right at the beginning. There's a quasi crawl. Yeah. Why not just have a crawl? I looked. It's three paragraphs of information. You could have just put that in a crawl. All right. So, what is the first mention? Okay. 
two-part question for you. You're going to be the expert on all this stuff. Mm-hmm. What's the first mention in both the EU and the movies of the fuel situation? Oh, they say hyperfuel in the in the little credit, you know, title cards there. Um, they, say coaxium. they say start saying coaxium while we're which I'm pretty sure is not anything that's from the EU. I think they made that up for this movie. But last Jedi, they're talking about fuel. It's a big part of the. Oh, that's plot of that's for their sublight drives, though, not for hyperspace. But that's a whole other. Yeah, okay. don't. <laughs> the Last Jedi is not the movie to get out your technical manual on because uh, you're just going to get annoyed. Well, but I will again. I feel like the greatest own in, in Twitter history is when Roy Johnson does that zoom in on his bookshelf <laughs> to uh, Luke's appearing like a ghost. Yeah. Well, the um, the way the way you hand waved the Last Jedi is that the, they re, they need sublight fuel to make the jump to hyperspace. Hyperspace itself doesn't require fuel it's like it's just getting in and out of hyperspace that's the issue okay so is that what hyperfuel slash coaxium i don't know they just fucking invented hyperfuel but i I guess i guess now they're saying that this coaxium is like fuel for hyperspeed i get why they're doing what they do in the title card as opposed to like dialogue spoken in the rest of the movie i don't have a problem in a sci-fi universe of something like coaxium Mm mm-hmm you're like, oh, it's it's what you know powers our spaceships or whatever. It's fuel for our spaceships. I get that. I like. I always feel like you're you're walking a tightrope of cheesiness whenever you just put the word like hyper in front of something else, like hyperfuel. I didn't see. I like hyperfuel better than coaxium personally. Um, okay. Although I, I think like if you go to like the official explanations of coaxium, it's like this is something that they like coat the fins of the hyperspace chamber with in order to activate i don't know it's it's like whatever they they try to have it both ways where it's like it's kind of fuel and it's kind of not fuel at the same time wow okay <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah uh how do you feel about score i didn't have a problem with the score i was kind of searching for the most part the score just carried me along nicely there were a couple moments where i could like part of my brain could pop out of the story and be like I wonder if I've heard the John Williams section yet. Yeah, I, I want to go listen to the soundtrack. I like the score. Just I, it felt Star Warsy to me in a way that the Rogue One score did not. And I don't, I, I can't put it in any more like I don't know specific terms than that. It just felt more Star Warsy. I've seen that some complaints that, yeah. about it online that people are like, it's too, too ham handed or emotional or whatever. But it's like, isn't that Star Wars? I don't know. Isn't Star Wars kind of yeah. like pretty big and broad and obvious? Um, I I did a really like, I guess it's like the Infus Nest theme or something. Like there's a certain point on the train job where it's like, oh shit, am I watching Skyrim right now? Like there's some crazy chanting on the soundtrack. Nice. Well, I mean, I think, I think before all the other genre mashup terms that you'll throw in to describe the complicated mess of the Star Wars, I feel like space opera is still the most truest. So yeah, highs and lows of emotion, especially in the score and describing it in musical terms, well, let me, makes the most sense. Let me ask you this question. Please do. Is Star Wars a sort of material that lends itself to different genres, or is Star Wars a genre in and of itself? Because I'm beginning to think it's more the latter than the former. Uh... I could see where you're saying that. I think by its very core, though, it is an applying of different genres. Well, I guess I felt together. like Star Wars has always been sort of like this 
meta genre where it pulls in all these different disparate elements and and mixes and melds them you know it's it's very postmodern like it would be weird for a star wars movie to just be like just western and nothing else i mean obviously it can't be there's there's sci-fi involved Mm -hmm. like this movie's got some some kind of noirish femme fatale stuff going on and some world war one stuff going on i don't know if that stuff worked as well but yeah i mean i don't know there is something I can't quite my finger. There is. It's not just that it's ugly. There is something about the look that felt off to me at times. But it was very the, hazy lighting. I couldn't pick out a lot the, of details. The playing with like the things you know to set up the time frame didn't bother me in this one as much as it did in Rogue One. Like I didn't mind the little things when we're like on the the shitty streets of Corellia, and then we like look up, and there's like a, a half built star destroyer above. Like that didn't bother me as much. That didn't, although, can I just say Corellia seems like a little bit of a disappointment to me? It's, well, yeah, it's not, it's not like what you, whatever little bits you know, and you would know more than, like, say, me, it doesn't gel with what your vibe going in. It, it wasn't even about expectations. I just feel like I didn't ever have a, a real feel for Corellia as a planet. Like, it was no, just no, like, no. here's some slums and loading docks. Well, and, like, what's the system of government? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, 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 don't, I feel like we never really got a wider shot of the planet. Like, what, what type well, like of that's... continents are there or islands? You know, what's the, the yeah, ecosystem it's... like or any of that? Well, like, what's uh, it's the same questions I have for, and I'm sure it's been answered in the EU or somewhere or fucking rebels or some Dave Filoni hot shit he took. But like, what's the system by which all these crime syndicates are allowed to operate in the <laughs> empire's space? Obviously they're getting a cut of the action in some way, right? Yeah. I mean, Corellia as it's described in the older EU books is like, it's very different. It's, it's urban, but I want to say maybe coastal, like a lot of the big cities are, um, the Corellian shipyards are always mentioned. So it makes sense that they're building ships and whatnot. But like, I don't know, there's something about what we saw on screen that seemed very like, small and trashy like yeah. just not like Corellia is like one of the like the big like a lot of people from Corellia in the eu books you know it's like it's one of the big systems out there they talk mm-hmm. about people having Corellian accents you know like um i don't know it just seemed like we're finally gonna see Corellia, and it's like that's it like when we saw coruscant for the first time i was like okay i feel like you delivered but Corellia mm-hmm. was just like eh. it just seemed like like coruscant light yeah, it was like the really shitty part of Coruscant. But I mean, like we know from I think even New Hope, Han mentions that the Star Destroyers yeah. are essentially Corellian. Talking in the nature. big Corellian ones, mind you. Yeah. Yeah, but like obviously somebody in the Empire is getting a cut of the fucking action of like Lady Proxima, right? <laughs> fucking Lady Proxima, which was kind of hilarious to me. Like that, that it's like two characters named Proxima in the past month. What is going on? Who's the other Proxima? Proxima Nova, or no Proxima oh, Midnight, Midnight? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, giant looks like a giant penis. I mean, come on, we're all thinking it. <laughs> I really like teenage Han and Kira. I think I understand why we like rushed through that part so quickly because we were like wanting to get to the main story, but I could have spent a little longer with them. Yeah, I could spend a little longer with like their uh, their job or his job mm-hmm. that he 
His job is <laughs> they double crossed me, so I stole their like their car. <laughs> well, some of that stuff really felt like some Lord Miller like humor holdovers, like the whole thermal detonator bit, where she's yeah. just like, "You're holding a rock, and you just made a clicking noise with your mouth." That's just like, eh. yeah. If if that was Lord Miller stuff, less of that, please. <laughs> But I, I found like her thugs to be uninteresting. Although, yeah, the, obviously they say something to the Imperial guys at like that little spaceport, who then let them resume hunting down these two runaways. Yeah, the the Imperials on this planet seemed pretty chill. With I don't know, they they weren't like really like ruling with an iron fist, you know? Yeah, like it didn't seem like oh no, it's stormtrooper scary. Like, it was just everyone's, like, fucking around, and the Empire's just wandering around, too. There's all sorts of crime happening, and they're just, like, looking the other way. Well, like, the one chick takes the the thing of, like... It's, like, a little bit of space fuel, right? Yeah, it's coaxium. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so she takes a little bit of that, and it's like, okay, that's your bribe. I'll let you through the gates. But I'm thinking, like, how does she go and fence that or sell that? Uh, Apparently, it's a very fenceable material. Okay. Seemingly, by the way they act about it, yeah. Well, then I was confused by, I think, maybe it was your tweet. I guess it's based on the books, because I'm thinking, like, is it also a truck? <laughs> well, no, because, uh, I mean, the Spice Mines of Kessel, we've heard, you know, from all the way back in A New Hope. Um, okay. Which, spice of life. in the old EU, they basically said that Spice is like a drug. Um, mm. Which, I don't know, is that like a Dune thing? Is the whole it's Spice Mines slow thing? Yeah. Sorry, um, it's a Dune thing. Yeah. Which, it's that's fine. Like, Hans Solo being a drug smuggler, that kind of fits, um, especially because he's working mm-hmm. for like Job the Hut. It's like he's not exactly smuggling in, you know, first aid kits to refugees or right. anything. Um, I mean, maybe some of the right. times he did, but yeah, but it was like they can't just have him smuggling spice, so we have to invent coaxium and he'll be smuggling that instead. Like, what if that was just like a dime bag that he was bribing the uh, Imperial lady with? Yeah. Well, it made me think a little bit of like Mad Max, just with the like doing everything for like gasoline, mm-hmm. gasoline. Yeah, yeah, gasoline sounds more impressive than coaxium, and I don't know, <laughs> more kind of dirty and sleazy. You know, like coaxium, it sounds too sci-fi. It's it doesn't have that element of um, I don't know the underworld to it. No, it sounds very clean. It's like clean Mm -hmm. sci-fi. I kept waiting later on for like the turn with Kira where we were going to find out that like, yeah, Han, I do fucking hate you. (laughs) Yeah. I know I've acted cool about it. and I seem pretty cool at the time, but no, I was not cool with it. That's the direction they could have gone with her character. Before we get to her, though, um, how did you feel about Han's recruitment and his name? Oh, the name thing actually didn't bother me, honestly. Um, uh, it bothered me. Did it? Okay. Not hugely, but it's just like, you know, we didn't need that. No, I mean, it's it's like, you don't need to do that. But I mean, I was kind of glad they didn't do that thing. I know there was like some kind of thing that was misreported where people thought like, oh shit, we're going to find out that like Han Solo was an assumed name anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, seemingly kind of is. Well, and like. He mentions having no people, so I thought, okay, well, he's he's just like a shitty orphan who's like lived with like Lady Proxima and her slugs all her life. Then I W Han, no people. 
Yeah. <laughs> but you know he has a dad. Um, I guess he just never got like his dad's last name. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I, just, solo. I didn't think the it was necessary. <laughs> you could have just been Han Solo. Like, I don't, I don't, it's like we didn't need that explained. I, these movies sometimes just feel like they're explaining things that didn't need it, like the supposed plot hole about the Death Star, well, you know? That's this whole movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this not, whole movie is only slightly more necessary than Rogue One, and Rogue One was unnecessary. Just a food poisoning bout of a movie. Mm-hmm. Fuck. I did think there was a missed opportunity to show Han at the Academy. Like I was not a big fan of how they have Han and Chewie meet. Um, the way this all goes down, like broadly speaking from the old EU books to me is just more interesting as a character beat. It's like Han is, he's, you know, an Imperial officer and the pilot, you actually see him like kind of like doing well, except he's like, you know, insubordinate. And like, he eventually mm-hmm. it's like, the Wookiees are being used as slaves by the empire. And like, he stops his superior from like either whipping or like almost killing Chewie. And like, that's what gets them kicked out of the empire. And he like runs off a tree. Like it didn't feel like Han was really like saving a life there with Chewie. It was just kind mm-hmm. of a convenient way for them to escape. Nobody mentions the life dead at all. Like, no, I don't know. Like there's, there's these vague themes of like slavery and freedom in this movie. And that was a chance you know, there if they went was? with the original thing. What? It was a lesser version at the beginning of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah, sure. But it was like, that was a chance there to kind of put, it, put a little pin in those themes of like freedom and slavery and like where Han draws his lines morally. Mm-hmm. And then they just, I don't know. They were like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if it was like it was a rancor, it was going to eat him, but then it was chewy. And that was, yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. Plus, I, I do think it would have helped a little bit to just show that, like, oh, yeah, Han is actually a good pilot. Like, he's doing well in the Empire, except he's insubordinate and, you know, has a mischievous streak. He spends way too Here's a complaint. He spends way too long in this movie telling us what a good pilot he is before we ever actually see it. Mm-hmm. There's an easy opportunity for you to, like, cut to after his recruitment to like a, a short star fight and then it's like it all turns off because it's in a simulator and he cr- climbs out or whatever and like his superior yells at him for doing something you know right, like right. you, you really you get to that to like him like freeing chewy in like three minutes easy and i think that's more yeah. compelling than the stupid main band stuff yeah because you you have a, him like find a way to like morally win the kobayashi mm-hmm. maru yeah yeah he's like protecting the the civilian freighters and when he's not, he's supposed to abandon them or something like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, cause theoretically this movie should be about him becoming cynical, like becoming the mm-hmm. person that he is. And he kind of like, I'm not sure if he all the way gets there in this movie. No, I wouldn't think so. I mean, I, the ending, never mind the cameo is muddled. Like it's I, very muddled. I, hate to, I hate to say it, but I almost feel like, I went in this movie like 92% sure they're going to kill off Kira um, because how else does he, he get to that kind of shut off place. And like, he doesn't seem that surprised nor that bothered nor something else when she flies off in the yacht at the end. I found it dramatically unsatisfying how it ends because it's ever in, it's, it's muddled. It's just like a, a shrug at the end. You're like, huh, you could have really upped the drama there and then you didn't. 
All right, does Dave Filoni wear a big stupid hat? Have I yes. seen pictures of him with a big dumb yes, hat? Yes, he has I a big dumb like hat. After this script, he put on his big dumb hat and he smoked his big stupid stogie, and he's just like, ha ha, here we go. People are going to start wondering if Kira is actually Ray's mom, or mm-hmm. they're going to start wondering if Emphis Ness is fucking, actually Ray's fucking mom. Fucking kill me now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I guarantee you that's like a that's a debate for the next six months, right? Darth Maul doesn't have a dick, okay? He got it cut off. So can he fuck a droid? And he is half a droid now. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's like on alienation where his dick's in his armpit or something. Well, we never know where the spiky headed boys keep it. Mm -hmm. Maybe it comes out of like the center spike. Ooh. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just like a tongue dick. Mm -hmm. Like Venom? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, like, yeah, it's like cunnilingus and just like, we can do whatever we want to. What's his brother's name? Like Savage Opress. Savage Oppress. That, God, that is, that is so embarrassing. Ridiculous Star Wars name ever. Like they're not even <laughs> pretending to be subtle with that. <laughs> he's like Darth Maul, but he's yellow. Every every time I'm online and I see somebody criticizing the incredibly stupid idea of bringing Darth Maul back in the cartoon, they're like, someone else will chime in and be like, oh, but it was Lucas's idea, and it's like, so Jar Jar was Lucas's idea. What is your point? Oh, now it's like now you're like quoting the scripture of yeah. George Lucas. Fuck you. <laughs> the journal of the wills there. But like. He does have a dick metaphorically because the nervous like fiddling he does with that lightsaber, mm-hmm. like just to show her like, Ooh, look at me. I got a lightsaber. No, that was just to show us. Yeah. Just just in I, case you, know you didn't fuck. get it. See, see the two red blades. Yeah, there you go. I was like, fuck this. Don't don't give me the guy from the cartoon doing the voice. I want Peter Serafinowicz. Mm hmm. That voice is unmatched. Yeah, I don't know. What did you think of Han and Chewie meeting? I didn't hate it if I didn't know a single other thing about Star Wars. It just, to me, it, it, it's like, that's it? Like, even if I didn't know about the EU storyline, it just seemed kind of random. And not, I don't know, there's no kind of feeling of, of fate or anything like that. Like I don't think they totally nailed their bromance either. No, no, it because they, they never mentioned a life debt, and so you're like, why exactly is Chewie even hanging out with Han? Like, yeah, why why has he stuck with Han for like you know forty years or something? Yeah, and it doesn't seem like it pays off very well for him, or he just feels bad and wants to see this kid get killed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know who we haven't talked about yet is Tobias Beckett, old Tobler and Beckett there. What do you think about the hair? I guess I like the hair. I mean, it's Woody, so that he has hair at all is always a, a curiosity. Whenever, whenever Woody has a wig, it's always very long. And this one, like in the wind on the one planet, I was just like, <laughs> kept watching that fucking hair. <laughs> I mean, he he's not bad at all i mean he's woody harrelson yeah he accomplishes the job I mean, he he's one of the rare american actors who kind of just disappears into whatever role he's required to play while at the same time still being himself you know yeah yeah he's gonna he's he's never going to be the worst part of a movie mm-hmm. it's kind of he's got like a john goodman quality to him not the very different actors but like you're never like man if only john goodman wasn't in this movie you know yeah, yeah. John Goodman doesn't shit the bed. Mm-hmm. Probably... Well, maybe when he's like, "Sure, I'll do Roseanne again." 
Uh, yeah, I mentioned Infus Nest. I liked her score. Um, I mean, the train job was mostly fun. I wasn't a huge fan of Rio. It was a little too Rocket Raccoon I for me. Can't fucking stand Rio Durante. <laughs> oh yeah. I do kind of like the name. I hate to say that because I I hate that should have been should have been R E O. I feel like like R E O Speedwagon. Or just, you know, it's Star Wars. You can't just do Rio or Io. You gotta change it up. Why not just have his name be Rio Speedwagon? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just um, Rio Speedwagon? Speedwagon is definitely like somebody in Star Wars has that last name. Yeah. <laughs> but they're probably somebody that Dave Filoni coined. <laughs> so it's like uh, Savage Speedwagon. <laughs> speedwagon. <laughs> um, I. Also, you know, it's kind of tragic that he's doing a TV show. I'm at a phase of my life now where I, I'm just done with John Favreau. I don't mind John, John Favreau. Favreau. My, I, I the other John Favreau. I feel slightly concerned about Favreau because he like he basically looked like uh, uh, Gary Shanley in uh, Homecoming there. Like, I don't know. I, I hope that dude's watching his health. Oh, yeah. Favreau is not at his... Uh, he's not keeping it tight like he used to. That's for sure. Uh, I am a little bit worried about his health. He's like, like it, he's it makes me, it makes me a little worried when there are like jokes about his like blood was it blood pressure or cholesterol. I can't remember what, but they're joking about it in Homecoming. At the same time, I'm like, yeah, but now I'm worried about you. You know? Yeah, I mean, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I just I didn't care for Rio Durante. He just. He's a fucking talker. Like he fucking knows he's everyone. Seen, and, he like, seemed too he much like he was like done nothing. He's like nice guy, rocket raccoon is the vibe I got. Yeah, and then, I feel like they never did anything really interesting with like the forearms and like the monkey feet. He like pulls himself up on a ledge. Yeah, well, it's like he's like just like it's like needlessly like let me just fidget around in the cockpit here. Um, that shit did not look super comfortable. The one that they stole. Comfortable. It just seemed like for like a space voyage, that just seems like an oddly designed mm. ship with the whole like well, it was like a outside, heavy loader or something. Yeah, the outside platform, which like you're not standing on that when you're going to, mm-hmm. <laughs> into space. <laughs> what did you think of Han getting his uh, his famous DL forty four from Tobias Beckett there as like a disassembled blaster rifle? I thought that was there was no there was no fanfare to it. It just seems like, like one of those things where either you you do it really big or you don't do it at all. And I feel like they went in the middle. I didn't like 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 Beckett kisses it and tosses it to him. And they didn't like later on or maybe it's before that when he does like the twirl and then holsters his gun. And like Han's like, you got to show me how to do that. Oh, when that dude shows up in the middle of, you know, Space World or one there, like twirling both pistols between each like fire. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> it's like, who's this asshole? Yeah. I mean, everything about that, like that campfire, once they leave of Han and Chewie and they're all like getting to know each other for the job, everything about Han and Chewie's demeanor screams, we're not just like undercover cops. We're like on our first day. Yeah. <laughs> we're like amateur. Screams, we cops. are patsies. Yeah. Do you ever see the uh, Dan Aykroyd, Tom Hanks Dragnet movie? We're those guys. <laughs> I love that movie as a kid. Uh, and then. I guess we should talk about Val because uh, if we don't talk about her now, we won't get a chance to talk about her. Uh, yeah, she will pass by. Uh, I I like Val. I mean, I'm also you know I'm a huge I'm a Tandy head or whatever mm-hmm. they want to call it. Tandy Newton fans, 
and I'm loving her on Westworld. So I was like thrilled to see her in this, but she's basically, um, I forgot the actress's name, but she's the, the first officer from Firefly. <laughs> oh, a little, not, not entirely. Um, I really like, I mean, it's almost the same dynamic only that she's married to Beckett. Are they married or just together? Well, According to Wikipedia, I don't. Oh, know okay, I don't know. I I liked her character. I feel like there was nothing there on the page, and yet somehow she made a character out of it. You know, um, you definitely get a sense of that. Like I don't know, classical British training there. Like she just she seemed to fit into the world and feel authentic more than some of the other characters did. Well, she definitely gets. This is what my character does. Well, just like the you way know. she moved, the way she like you know, gripped her weapons and whatnot. Like it just seemed like, I'm like, yes, I believe that this is a, a outlaw criminal who like routinely robs trains, you know? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, she's, she's the member of the team when whatever quotient of the five man band, who's just like, I just want to point out that in the past, Beckett has trusted people that it's not worked out for us. So I'm <laughs> casting a suspicious eye at you two. Um, which I kind of thought their crew was interesting in that other than this should have been one of my top moments is when he, Beckett turns uh, uh, solo in to the uh, the Imperials, like mm. this guy's a deserter and everything he says is a lie. Um, other than that kind of move, they're like a pretty like stand up group of people for the most part until the end. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, like they're they're fairly trusting and they're, they're doing a pretty big job with these fucking rookies right off the bat. Yeah, what was their plan without them? I wonder. Yeah, I would agree if, with uh, Chewy though. I think they took Han because he has because he came with Chewy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really just stuck with Han. <laughs> How did you feel about the in- reintroduction of Kira when they finally go to Dryden Voss's like yacht there? She just like turns around. She's like, "Hi." It's me. Well, not I'm not just her like initial appearance but just the general like this character's reintroduction into the narrative again she's she's a great femme fatale from a film noir like i i enjoyed it i she kind of walked the line of like what is her secret she's clearly carrying a, a secret with her under her glamorous nature um yeah in I'll... general sorry god yeah i don't know what, what were you gonna say i was gonna say i i liked it but it just felt like they were tiptoeing like they should have steered more into the femme fatale aspect of her. It was like they wanted us, they're trying too hard to still communicate that like, Oh, she's, she's still Hans vulnerable girl from back in the day. You know, I like her character felt muddled because of that. I'm saying I wasn't totally in love with all things Dryden Voss and his like world. I like the performance of Dryden Voss. Um, also, is Paul Bettany's hair getting weirder? Have know. you seen him like in the press stuff for Infinity War? Is it just that uh, Alden Ehrenreich is really short or something? Because Paul Bettany looked like he was like six four in this movie or something. So Bettany's doing a thing in his media appearances where not only is that is he wearing like the uh, tinted glasses six three, okay. but like he has like the blonde hair on top, and then like he's like dyed the sides of his hair like jet black. Nice. Yeah, like, it's very. I, I feel like that guy um, that guy like dines out on media day like he doesn't give a fuck oh i i i guarantee it um i just 
I'm kind of fast. I would love to see like the design book on what the original Dryden Voss with Michael Williams supposed to look like. It was like supposed to be like a cat, right? Like, I'm Dryden Voss. Meow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't know. I liked the way he played the character Dryden Voss. Crimson Dawn in general was like a big wank fest to me. But um, I don't know. With well, cooler name than anything else happening in Crimson Dawn. Yeah. Kira, I just it felt like they they hadn't made up their mind as to like where they really wanted her character to end up is like they half wanted to like keep this like twist going until the mm-hmm. end, which wasn't really that much of a twist, you know? No. Um it just seemed like like you're halfway there, you kind of want it to be you, you must know on some level this is a femme fatale character, but it's like you're just not committing all the way to it. Yeah. Uh, I just never found Dryden Voss like the requisite amount of scary. He seemed a little too too nice, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like too Too pleasant, (laughs) too pleasant. I guess you would say. You know, like too willing to bumping your mic there. Too willing to I don't know not address the ugliness. Like I want to see him like eating like a pudding made out of somebody's face or something at one point, just to convey. I mean, that he like stabs that guy. guy sweet tooth. He stabs that guy the one time, but that's about it, you know. Yeah. I mean, like I was half expecting like, uh, you want to know how I got these scars? <laughs> They're not scars. I'm an alien. They turn red when I get angry. Don't stare. <laughs> that's just really rude. <laughs> so I want to ask you about this because I've. This has been interesting to just kind of like watch unfold on Twitter and kind of see what people's thoughts are. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about these sort of implications that are surrounding Kira's character? Uh, essentially, like referring to potentially like prostitution, the owned nature of her. Well, it's like she's done dark things. Things she's not yeah. proud of. Things We're going to keep repeating that she's done same. dark things throughout yeah. the entire course of the movie, which... I I mean, I, I'm ambivalent on that, I guess, because on the one hand, there's absolutely, I feel like, a connotation of, like, she's been, like, whoring around. It's like, they're not saying it, but they're mm-hmm. saying it. At the same time, if, if we had mm-hmm. said Han has done dark things, would we assume that, like, he was, like, sucking down a mile of space dick? I'm not sure. So it's definitely a gendered read of it at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't... I don't think you'd really let the writers off the hook for it, though, because they had to know that that's how people are going to interpret it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> just imagine if Han, she's just like, they're like dancing around and she's just like, Han, I'm telling you, I've done dark things. And he's just like, I've been in a Mon Calamari four-way. <laughs> and she's like, you win. Well, it's, I don't know, it's it's odd because it's like they didn't want to, they, they wanted to keep hammering that point, but not truly address the kind of darker implications of it. Mm-hmm. And so they just kept just saying dark things over and over again, or, you know, you wouldn't be able to look me look at me the same way. Well, I, I don't know if it's performance or a gender thing. It's, it's probably also the nature of the story, but I believed her when she said it. I did not believe him when he said it. Mm. Because 
I mean, so stuff he would have done essentially would have been stuff in the last three years, like in the Imperial whatever, right? Because like murdering civilians, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just murdered a whole village for an erection. Um, but presumably anything before that, she would have known about. Yeah, yeah. Because so, they are, you know, living together. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was her whole character. I I wanted to like her more than I did. I, I really like Amelia Clark. I feel like a lot of people don't and like criticize her acting. I'm not one of those people. I just feel like it was all there, if, but they just didn't want to go to that level. Like, I don't know, maybe it was a little too adult, they thought, for Star Wars or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. I think, like, they should have stretched her in every way. That sounds really gross out of context. Mm. Like, they should have... Dark things. Had more had more fun with the glamour of her character, whether it's fake or not. But, like, shown her, like, when no one's looking, do something really cruel, just to remind you... That she works for a fucking like mob syndicate as an enforcer of some kind. <laughs> oh, speaking of that, let's talk about the the plan for the coaxium on Kessel. But she's like done a lot of bad things. The only one of them was ever good was Lando Calrissian. <laughs> okay, so they're like let's talk about Lando. We need we need unrefined coaxium. What about that? Oh, why it just so happens that there's some of that on Kessel. Where they mine spice, but also they mine coaxium, just because we want to do the Kessel run, and everyone knows there's spice on Kessel, but we don't want to have Han be a drug smuggler, so there's also got to be coaxium there too, just mm-hmm. chilling underneath the spice. That's mm-hmm. already like really weird plotting, and mm-hmm. then it's like you can't do that. I have this arrangement with the Pikes, you know, Crimson Dawn, and their criminal organization. We are, we have a truce or whatever. And then Han's just like, but we don't, you know, like no one knows we're working for you. We'll go do it. And he's like, good idea. I will now send my very recognizable and noticeable first lieutenant to join branded. you. Yeah, branded with the Crimson Dawn mark. I will send you, send her to join you on this mission. I kept, when she goes into the locked room with the guy, I kept thinking like, we're going to see like the Apple Watch band over her tattoo or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> Or she's yeah. gonna rub some like mud on it real quick. The band or the the plot there makes no sense. Like I don't know. It, it just seems like a lot of work to explain why she's going with him, and then it didn't make any sense anyway. But just again, it's the toothless nature of Dryden Voss that he's just like, hey guys, let's have a little brainstorming sesh mm-hmm. about how to get you out of this pickle. Which, by the way, I could just chop you in half for fun and eat your armpits. Seriously. Well, and then it's like, was that all just so you could fucking name check the Pikes? Was that the whole purpose of that stupid, you know, labyrinthine? Like, we're stealing it for you, but no one will know it's you doing it, even though we brought along your number one lieutenant. Yeah. Like, is that just so you could say, oh, look, guys, we got the Pikes in there. You like that, EU fans, don't you? What are the Pikes again? Just another, like, gangster? I think it's, I think it's some shit from the Clone Wars. It's like just some criminal syndicate. I, I I would have I would have turned all of this around if they had a scene in, in that scene with Darth Maul where he's just like fuck the pikes. <laughs> the other thing about Dryden Voss, sorry, just just occurred to me, is one of the things that works about Lando and Empire is that he's like a businessman striving for legitimacy. So I totally buy he's had to have some like mob connections to get where he is. Mm-hmm. Like Dryden Voss seems like unabashedly just like a like a fancy criminal. 
which is fine. He's just another Java type character. Like I almost I felt bad for like the set designers on the like the scene in his barge because obviously they put a lot of work into this and yet like it's lit with this like hazy lighting where you can't make out mm-hmm. any of the details in the background. Um, yeah. I don't know. He I thought he was okay, but too nice. Yeah. Too like they needed like a, an extra red shirt member to like get, like get executed or something to let us know he means business. Like yeah, him, him killing scary. off the, the governor or whatever. Like that wasn't enough. He just wasn't scary enough. Like mm-hmm. he just didn't convey. Oh yeah. I'm also an organized fucking crime here. Now Crimson Dawn. Is this a thing? Are they inherently Mandalorian? Um, Oh, I don't know the the canon on that. So fucked up. No, I think you're thinking of Concord Dawn. Oh, okay. Which was well, the the original be... original backstory of Boba Fett was there somebody named Jaster Muriel from Concord Dawn, but no, I think Crimson Dawn is something else. Is that when he was like super religious? Yeah, he was like this like really pious like annoying motherfucker. And that was bad. That was like or, Tales or, from or the or Jedi Singh. or whatever. Yeah, Aura Singh. She gets name checked in this. Does she? Yeah, Tobias oh, wow. Beckett killed her. Uh, I wouldn't oh. say it killed her. I pushed her. The fall killed her. Oh, okay. I to- yeah. yeah, I remember that line. I just remember it or sing. There's a lot of fucking names. This is like probably the most name checky. There's a ton. Yeah. Reference heavy. Which like, seems to be. This whole crew has it, been somewhere. It seems to be the style of their adaptations of previous materials. Like, let's just throw in a bunch of nouns rather than like we're going to take this thing that is like well known from the books and we're going to execute it on screen. You know, it's, it's like I said, it's not what Marvel does. Like we, the snap exists in the comics and people are excited to see it on screen. Instead, Lucasfilm is like, Oh, we know the Kessel run happened this way in the books, but we're not going to do it that way. I know that like, obviously an operation like this, you're going to go through so many filters. I wonder if any of this was from, because this was the one that started in its earliest iteration as something pre-sell to pre-Disney, Disney, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wonder if any of that was like Lucas is like, I don't give a fuck. Throw as much of that shit in there as, as you can. Yeah. But I, I was shocked that Emphis Ness doesn't like take a FaceTime call from like her aunt Mon Mothma at one point. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> uh, how did you feel about the the meeting with Londo and I guess it's on the same planet that they did the train job is a little confusing to me. It seems that way in the weird like Wooly Mammoth Club. Mm-hmm. Like that club made more sense to me. Like if you could have combined that locale with uh Dryden Voss's yacht and somehow like if like after they left his office and Kira's like I can think of a guy and we won't have to go far to find him or something yeah. like that. He's three doors down at the casino. Yeah. yeah, Or something like that. Like if Dryden Voss's thing is that he's the gangster who runs this like intergalactic woolly mammoth club or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I or, didn't or let me, let me just blow your mind here. Like, Please just, you know, they, blow my mind. for the last Jedi, I'm sure they spent a ass load of money building that Canto bite set. It's a massive yeah. set. What if he just reduced yeah, yeah. that? That would have been brilliant. That would have been fucking brilliant. And if you could card have had, player, yeah. gambler, scoundrel, you'd like him. That kind of seems like the guy would be a cano bite, right? Well, let me let me let me in turn attempt to blow your mind right back. Mm-hmm. What if it wasn't Paul Bettany? What if it was the master codebreaker? Oh my god. 
I just came. Yeah. That would have been yeah. amazing. That would have been Thoreau has been like was born to play this role. Or at the very least, they go to Canto Bight, where it's like a high stakes poker game that land is and like the code breaker is there too. Mm-hmm. Maybe with uh, Maz Kanata. Mm. And like, see, and like, these are Andrew's connections like, that would make more sense because they tie things together rather than being like, "Who the fuck is Dryden Vosman?" In, in a way that's <sighs> fun and usable too. Mm-hmm. But if Londo's like true story, Han, I've fucked four of the five people at this table, <laughs> including you. <laughs> but Han's like, "You haven't fucked me," and he's like, "That photo you sat in when you walked in, yeah." How do you feel about John Kazan declaring Lando pansexual because he fucked the droid? I would think that a lot of Star Wars characters that we've met are, if not pansexual, omnisexual, some kind of sexual than we're than we're generally accustomed to. I mean, it just seems like that that word has a very specific meaning in our world that might be different from the meaning it has in the galaxy far, far away. But I just I don't know. I don't know if you get credit for that. You know, I. I would just assume that in the future or the, the long, long past of intergalactic far, far away, everyone is minimum bisexual if they're not asexual. I just I just feel like, you know what, don't let us see it on screen. Stop telling us that a character yeah, is yeah. this way There's, if it's not on screen, you know. Well, stop like trying to get some kind of credit mm-hmm. without like doing the work, about doing the inclusion. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lando was fun. I I think other than the scene where he has to mourn his dead fuck droid, um, I think like what if, I think what if Donald Glover's enjoyed himself. What if Atlanta had a crew? It was like L3 and these two big like gorilla enforcer guys. And like before he sends them into operation, he just like kisses all of them on the mouth. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, it's, this is where the plot kind of starts to drag because they're like, we need a ship. And it's like, they got to get the fucking Falcon in this movie. Of course you do. It's Han Solo's movie. You got to get the Falcon in. So we got to, he doesn't have the Falcon yet. So we got to go to Lando. And so there's this whole extended card game scene where he loses and doesn't get the Falcon. Cause I don't know, like that would be too soon, I guess. Cause then, then why is Lando in the rest of your movie? Like you want Lando to stick around. He's also only kind of flown something at this point too. Uh huh. And so it's, it's just weird. You're like, why did we just spend 10 minutes on this like card game when you lost and Lando's going to join you anyway, because he cuts a deal with Beckett. Like it's bizarre. Mm-hmm. It's, it's obviously only there because we've all known that like Han and Lando, you know, gamble for the Falcon in a card game. So here's another problem with Beckett. I think is we were sold this thing where like Woody Harrelson's going to play Han Solo's like mentor in this movie. Mm-hmm. Which I want to say in Wikipedia, and this is a this is like probably a EU thing that you can talk about. The presumption immediately was that he was going to play a character named Oh like, Gareth yeah. Shrike or something. Yeah, which, it was uh, like Hans. Now you first, see me crossover. Yeah, Hans' anyway. first mentor or whatever. But anyway, so this this like Londo negotiation scene. It's like Hans in a scene, and then Woody Harrelson just swaggers over and is like, "I own this scene now." Mm-hmm. I'm going to take it over completely. Let me throw this at you. Not that I minded his character, but should Tobias Beckett be in this movie? I don't think you need him whatsoever. Shouldn't the conflict in this movie be between whether or not Han can trust Kira as opposed to Tobias Beckett? Yeah. Like I, it's, 
it's the femme fatale thing. It's right there. You know, it's we, we, the audience should not be wondering, Hmm, I wonder if we can trust Kira or not. We, the audience should be nervous and on the edge of our seat the whole time thinking, Han, you can't trust her. You know? Well, I, I don't think the movie even was really doing any work to create suspicion about her. Yeah, not enough. So the movie should have been doing that, and you should have had Beckett at least whispering in Han's ear the whole time. Like, should have been like a partner, sure maybe. Yeah. Her? Yeah. Are you sure you can trust her? Um. Yeah, I mean, cause I I think Amelia Clark would do really good if she was allowed to chew that up a little more. The whole you know looks fair, feels foul type of vibe, where it's like you don't see her doing her Terrace Kasi martial arts or whatever. You just see the door open. The dude's dead. And you're like, Whoa, mm-hmm. you know <laughs> what just happened in there? Like make it mm-hmm. a little more mysterious and ominous. Yeah. Just let her have an enigmatic look on her face and also a cape. And, and the, those occasional femme fatale moments of vulnerability that throw Han off because mm-hmm. they're perfectly calculated to make him want to rescue her, you know, and she's obviously manipulating him. And and maybe maybe time? there's a, a small part of it that is still real, you know, and you're wondering, can can he turn her back? And ultimately, no, he won't be able to. You want to have a lot of fun? Have her pop on top of a piano and perform a song with like an alien. <laughs> there you go. With a floating head. I did like yeah. that. I like the floating alien head. It was real dumb, but in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> well, thankfully, as you said, you could see it, too. <laughs> Yeah, really. It wasn't an Instagram filter that was blurring your vision. But yeah, like, I would have... I'm. It shouldn't just be a film noir movie, but, like, I would have amped all that up. Like, you could have had so much more fun and such a more interesting movie if you had played with some of those those tools. It just seemed like they didn't have a full grasp of what her character should have been. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because they thought they would like trick you at the last minute, but even even the way her character ends, which I suppose we'll get to in a moment, um, is it a little messed up that L three is like supposedly Lando's beloved or whatever? L three dies and interfaces with the Falcon, and so now Lando's ship has become far more personal than it would have been before. And then Han wins it. I really feel like you could have done something with that without adding the like personal name like you could have just done a thing where it's like we're just stealing the database from her you i know, just her husk i personally don't like think you don't need that the, was necessary should have been buffy you wrong. don't need the you don't need to do the thing where it's like her soul is now part of the falcon because that's weird and also it's not like it's ever fucking addressed later yeah. on you know what i mean like in return of the jedi there should have been a thing when like Lando's like caressing the console next to that guy with like the big cunnilingus lips and just being like, I miss you, girl. And then like, I don't know, he has like sex with the dash or something. Well, the the whole idea of the Kessel run from the books is that it's like it's a run through a bunch of like this cluster of black holes where it's like there are only certain paths you can take through it that are safe and charted. And like Han like went through an uncharted way and like just the skill of his flying, he's able to like, like sense the the edges of the gravity wells and like navigate through them properly. Like a chance to show his flying skill, like really, and not just like, Oh, he did a little barrel roll and like knocked a tie fighter. Like imagine him like white knuckled, like, you know, navigating through this, like, I don't know, nebula or something. Like, I feel like that would have been a little more interesting. What we got, what we got, it was like, Hey, it's a space scene, but I can't see anything. 
Yeah, I don't really know what's going on. I didn't I didn't care for a lot of the thinking going into the scene because you can't tell a lot what's going on. To me, honestly, I can't get past the thing like the first time you fly the Falcon. Okay, so like certain cars, if I drive somebody else's car, there's this thing where like even though I've adjusted the mirrors or whatever, I'm still not quite sure like how much room I have up front or what have you. You know what I mean? Yeah, it takes a little like, while to adjust, yeah. The Falcon's a fucking weird-shaped ship, too. Like, the cockpit's way on the other side of everything. You're not flipping around all willy-nilly like, like hooby-dooby. Um, but the fucking monster... Th- I mean, the ne- the idea of the nebula is fine with me, like, in a sci-fi thing. Like, the mystery of it. I'm yeah. totally cool. I like, the carbon bergs, and maybe they're, like, home to, like, carbon-breathing creatures. No one knows, though, or, like, weird Cthulhu beasts. But, like... Having the monster actually pop out of there to me just seems like cribbing from Empire Strikes Back with the monster that they find in like the, the mm-hmm. meteor. And I mean, I, it's like, okay, that was precedent, so you can do it again, sure. But um, eh, I don't know. I, I didn't think that scene was executed all that well just because it was so like shaky cam, like quick shots. Like it, It's funny because they started playing the asteroid theme during it, the asteroid field theme. But it was mm-hmm. like, man, go take a look at the shots from the asteroid field. They're so like swooping and graceful, and you know what's going on the whole time. Clean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but there's a it's a dangerous thing in prequels, and I know you've got your treaties on why mm-hmm. all prequels are bad. But like the the precedent is set in the original. We're gonna do our version of something similar in the this prequel, but we're gonna do it bigger and you know, at the times more thrilling and exciting or whatever. That's the attempt anyway, which just ultimately is going to water down your original yeah. source material. Yes. Yes, exactly. I mean, would it, if, if they'd had more confidence, I feel like they could have said, Hey, you know what? We're going to make a Han Solo trilogy. We don't have to cram the fucking Kessel run in this movie. We can say that. We can say that for part two. We're just, this is just Honestly, the Han. This is just the Han origin movie. We're not going to try to fit everything in there yeah if rather than the java shit if it was like we're gonna go do this kessel job or whatever i'd be like okay or if he had just done the kessel job and that's all people want to like talk about like if he was like some kind of minor celebrity and people kept being like i know how you did it by the way and he's just like no you don't yeah if, if he just said hey you know what the kessel run will be in part two or part three that's fine yeah. i mean you're gonna make a shitload of these movies anyway fine like you got a decent cast here uh Donald Glover is great as Lando. Like no one's going to complain. I think at this point, if you wanted to make another one, as long as the script is good. So like, just save it. You don't, you don't have to get everything into this one movie. Yeah. I know you were a little more on board of like the Ron Howardness of it all. When he took over, I, I, it's not that I think the movie's terrible or like he was a bad choice. It's just I feel like you need somebody who's a little more I thought a little more of a personal stamp. I thought he'd be a steady hand, but I, I think where you really see it is that because he probably like he obviously wasn't there for any pre production. And so all of the set pieces are like really pedestrian. Like you you never really get a sense except for maybe in the train job that like, oh yeah, they they've been like doing animatics of this for like two years. Like they really know exactly what they want to do in this scene. You know, it's like, it's just like a lot of like handheld camera and like quick cuts and kind of like cheap and dirty. And it's like, well, I guess you, you executed the script more or less, but not in a particularly interesting way, not in like an artistic way. Also, would this movie have made more sense coming out in December? Yes. Yeah. They should, they should only ever come out in December as far as I'm concerned. 
or, I, I feel or like they come out in May. They were so desperate to put these out on May and in May because of the uh, you know the Star Wars like anniversary the, thing. But I I think they work better at Christmas. Well, it's like now I, I'm like I've seen this movie. It was fine, and now no, I have a year and a fucking half to wait mm-hmm. for episode nine. Um, you know, like we always like people always talk to the dream of Spielberg in a Star Wars movie. I kind of would rather see him do a solo movie. Mm, that'd be interesting. Yeah, or, I or mean, something more focused like this, more adventure. Because I mean, I don't think Spielberg really needs to go like deal with like parables of Nazi Germany. That's embedded in all of his movies anyway. <laughs> like, let him have a little more fun with this, like the the shadow and light thing, the noir stuff. I mean, he does on every movie anyway. like he could totally do it here. Um, okay, so we, we skipped over the droid fight scene or the droid like the, fighting. The, the, the you mean like the droid pit that <laughs> like yeah, the fight club? Sh- that's an idea that should have been a lot more fun. Yeah, it was just like murky and dark. Like I don't know, it was it was weird. Like yeah. there were that was a chance for. I feel like if this was the director had been on this job from the beginning, they would have like had something good there, like a good little visual gag, but they didn't. Yeah. And it was just kind of like random and tossed off. Well, and also you're playing into like the, it's not that it's not an interesting character. The idea of L3 is like, uh, how did Jane Nicholson put it? Like the SJW character. <laughs> um, I'm not against that at all, especially since like when we look back on like, on a kind of woke 2018, the droid situation in star Wars is more than a little fucked up. Like, but it should have been multiple droids and there should have been something it should have been later on in the movie, multiple droids and something where like L3 falls into the pit and she has to like protest. I'm not like these droids. Well, I, I feel like the problem there is that like, that's all a different movie. It's yeah. like, that's all, that's all an interesting plot to explore in star Wars, but it, it didn't seem like this movie had enough screen time or character time to really allocate to it. And so it mm-hmm. just feels like this weird extra tacked on thing that, didn't mesh well enough with the main storyline. It could have if Chewie had been a slave earlier and Han had to save him. And there you have like the metaphor of, you know, L3 is a slave and then perhaps Kira is a slave as well. Then it's like, Ooh, look, we're, we're thematically layering things here. So it's all kind of building up to this idea about like where Han's morals stand. But instead it just feels like completely separate from everything else. I don't feel like the boy talk between Kira and L3 really reflected back on like the Kira and Han situation. Mm-mm. It just more illuminated how interesting Londo is. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like it, Han doesn't really have a ton of scenes of L3. So like to me, there's no real resonance that I can draw from his later interactions of C3PO. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it just it, it didn't work for me. It didn't gel. Um, yeah. How did you feel about Infus Nest, the, the reveal there? I loved it. I mean, I, I obviously the internet had told me that it was going to be a, a woman, but I loved her look. The actress's name is Erin Kellyman. Mm-hmm. I thought she was great. Um, I love Infants and S's look. I mean, it's so it's such like a pre-programmed classic Star Wars look in a way. But like mm-hmm. this one caught me immediately in a way that like Boba Fett never has. <laughs> Yeah, I, I want the Ephes Nest trilogy now. I really liked her character and her reveal. It's another one of those things I'm not sure entirely meshes well with the rest of the story. But I mean, it, it I don't know, cool character before the mask comes off and a cool character afterwards. So um, it, it gave me like a real Mad Max vibe in a way. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. It's it's another one of those things that it seems like this could have been explored more, but yeah. we had to do I don't know like a twenty minute castle run scene instead. Like this movie's no long too. Do I, like do I put on the mask? Two hour and like twenty minute movie. It's way too long. It should have been. Under and it doesn't hours. seem like enough important stuff happens. Yeah. No. And then we get all the double crosses, kind of. It made no sense that Beckett would have left them alive after he uh, kills Dryden Moss there. Yeah. Like, why do you need to shoot them all? But sure, whatever. I did. I like just setting up a, a situation where people are going to come and hunt you down. Yeah, I know. I, you're, I, you're like, you're begging for a Kill Bill Volume 3 there, Tobias Beckett. What the fuck? I like Han kind of figuring it out and being prepared for the double cross, but I feel like that works better if he's prepared for Kira's double cross. Because yeah. it's it's this weird movie where it's like he has two different characters that he should be learning not to trust. And mm-hmm. rather than having to be focused, it's split between the two of them. And it, I feel like it doesn't land entirely well for either of them. And of course, he shoots first. Yeah, which I feel like was I feel like that was a political statement. <laughs> the Star did, Wars it, did it seem a little bit odd that we didn't see him pull the trigger, though? Like it just like, yes. Kinda, yeah, I don't know that that feels like like disney to me it feels like one of those things where someone is like no no we can't actually show him just murder this what, guy what, what's really shitty to me is and you have more of a grasp on this dave filoni character than i do <laughs> but i feel like he puts on his big dumb hat and he goes to well, you know he didn't have anything to do with this movie right <sighs> other really? than dark mall shit well i mean he's responsible for that being on the table i guess he's not like a producer or anything like i don't think so he's not he's not I think he's a member of the story group. So, I mean, I guess you could say he has something to do with it. So, Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Is Dave Filoni actually just Pablo Hidalgo in a mask or vice versa? Oh, I think Hidalgo got like ran off Twitter recently. Because Star Wars fans, by the way, are fucking awful right now. Like, God, it's it's never been less fun to enjoy Star Wars than it is now on the Internet because it's all these like insane like boycott solo because of the last Jedi people and sjw droids and kathleen kennedy needs to be fired and all that. well even during rogue one with like the, the the trumpers and like boycott rogue one because mm-hmm. they're like making fun of the fascist state that we we're all kind of horny for um fucking hell but like i i would not be shocked i would almost call for like the the same people who have the mock outrage about uh ray's lightsaber abilities to like get a little upset about han's like immediate abilities to fly the millennium falcon the prestigious millennium oh falcon. no one no one mentions that at all you don't yeah. where do we see han's training yeah i mean if, okay. if han was a female character oh it'd be fucking picket torches mm-hmm. um i had a point i totally forgot what it was uh something about dave filoni well, Dave Filoni and Pablo Hidalgo, I can't stand these people who's like their job is to put on some big stupid affectation article of clothing and go to the suits and explain the will of the fans to them. Like, but they're somehow also part of the establishment. I just granted, I want to be one of those people, but still, they piss I, me off. I just feel like a, a true artist isn't worried about how much fan service they're putting in. They tell the story they want to tell. I, I would agree, but like the fact that these guys in some fashion or on the payroll. I, mean, I know Filoni's like actually a creative doing the, the fucking cartoons. Mm-hmm. Is he involved in the new one? There's a new one, right? Like, yeah, I think so. It's like the building of the resistance. It's Star Wars resistance. Yeah. So it'll have like Ahsoka in it somewhere. Mm-hmm. All like his holdover characters. 
I'm sure not right away, but I'm sure he'll bring them in eventually. He always manages to. Would Paul Bettany have made a really good Thrawn? Sure. Okay. Uh, it's just randomly in my mind. He's a tall guy. <laughs> I I don't want the Thrawn from the fucking Rebels cartoon, then that's for sure. Like I just I'm not a fan of the way they've been mining their EU material. It's like if you're gonna completely half ass it, just don't do it. Like mm-hmm. like I don't know, you think about like the way Marvel brought in Thanos. It's like, wow, I can't believe Thanos was that good. Like he's such a ridiculous cartoon cartoon character in the comic books, and like he was actually really good in Infinity War. And like it's the reverse with the Star Wars stuff where it's like, oh, you took this really cool character Thrawn and made him like this fucking like lukewarm milk, boring, bland nonsense in the cartoon. I'm really glad Josh Brolin wasn't in this movie. Yeah. Also, I feel like uh, like Rio Half-Ass would totally be a Star Wars character name. Rio Half-Ass? Yeah. Um, Rio Half-Ass? Rio Half-Ass <laughs> like, Speedwagon. Brolin's Cable... It's like more than two, less than four, maybe like times that he refers to Deadpool as a sex toy in that movie. Does he? I, I, I've already forgotten. Like he it. calls him like a sex toy at one point. I want to say he calls him like a dildo at another point. It's like, mm-hmm. dude, this is weird. I just, it's not funny. You call a person a dildo one time and you get out. You walk away from the joke. I'm just not a fan of the style of humor in Deadpool. It's just not for me. It's for some people. That's it's fine. Just, it's not for me. Yeah. Um, so and you've called it a scary movie. I've seen people on Twitter call it like a, like minions for adults. It's just it's ooh, dumb. Burn. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about fucking Darth Maul. Yeah. No, just Maul now. I, I still call him Darth Maul. <laughs> you know why? Because fuck you, Dave Filoni. That's why. Well, like, if you become a doctor, you're inserting that in every goddamn thing you do, right? Actually, it's doctor. He didn't go to four years at Sith Academy to become Mr. Maul. Uh, it's Dr. Rio Speed Half-Ass. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, I would I would constantly correct people and be like, uh, it's Darth Maul. Fuck yourself. I carry around my red lightsaber still, so. I have so many problems with that cameo. Just, like, number one, I find Darth Maul to be an incredibly boring character. He is entirely just a neat look in a neat like double blade lightsaber that makes no practical sense but it's kind of cool to watch mm-hmm. like they brought him back in clone wars and they brought him back again in rebels he's not interesting i find everything about him really boring he's just like he's the penultimate not penultimate it's the wrong word um He's like a classic example of like this like fan wankery where it's like Darth Maul is so cool what if he was like kind of an anti-hero and he lives somehow. No, thank you. It's like uh, it, if you really, really, really could just mash him in to have William and the Man in Black be one character at all times. That's Darth Maul. Uh, He's just Maul now because he abandoned the Sith, too. Well, and the thing about Darth Maul in the prequel that he was in, you're right. He's He's a very cool look. And I totally support like they went and did like the drawings just to get out of their system and see what like cyborg Darth Maul would look like in uh, attack of the clones. And they're like, okay, we, we've, we've exercised, we've shot our wad on that. Let's get to her like a real Sith Lord. I get that. I think the attempted idea with the various antagonists of the prequels was together. They all add up to the idea of Darth Vader, right? Sure. Sure. And even if you want to say, if you want to say, you know what, they should have never killed Darth Maul. He would have been great as like an ongoing villain in the saga. Okay. That's fine. You can say that. But once you killed him, he's dead. Like, 
this mm-hmm. this isn't a comic book. Like the one nice thing about Star Wars is the stakes actually mean something. And mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta commit to that. You can't just be like, oh yeah, sure, he got cut in half and fell down this like thousand foot long shaft, but no, he survived somehow. That's just bullshit. Like I'm sorry, it's just fucking stupid. And it yeah. it ruins the whole vibe of the whole Star Wars universe. Star Wars is a universe that has stakes where things have you know consequences to them. And I first of all, I don't know what the general audience is gonna think when they're like, Didn't that guy die already? Is this does this movie yeah. take place before that movie? Like, what's going on, you know? Yeah. And then to bring him back when they've already kind of, like, concluded his storyline in Rebels. So it's like, what? Why? what is the purpose of putting him in this? He, you can't pay this off anywhere else. You already told the rest of his story. Right. Like, he's... Well, no, because you're, you're saddling a Kenobi movie to potentially feature that scene. Is the idea, right? Or, or to even worse not feature that scene, but feature another scene where they encounter each other and like they fight to a draw and then both leave, you know, like it's like, what is the satisfying outcome of putting him in this movie? He can't be Han Solo's villain and like Han Solo too, like the soloing because Mm -hmm. like Han, like he can't fight like a former Sith Lord. That's not, that's not a worthy adversary for Han and Han is like, kind of like not about the whole Jedi thing anyway. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't make any sense for him to be a villain to Han. You can't you can't dispel his theories about it being ancient hokey religions mm-hmm. this early, but also Sith lords and and things of that ilk like are so high level compared to like the muck that Han Solo should be operating in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just the wrong wrong level for him to be playing at. Like I don't I it's baffling to me. Like it just it's the rawest like greasiest fan service I've ever seen in a movie. There's no reason he should be in this movie. Of so it all should have the, been Boba Fett, is what you're saying. It should have been Boba Fett. This is this is what the story should have been. It should have been Kira makes an ultimate evil turn at the end to become a full villain, and she calls Boba Fett to go hunt down Han, and there's her sequel setup. Well, you honestly, you know what my my theory for part of it was? Once they seemed to kind of throw away the idea that like she was Dryden Voss's girl, mm-hmm. I thought they were gonna do like a Kaiser Sozi thing where it's like she was actually She's, the boss. Yeah, well, that's fine, but then, like, the whole Darth like, Maul thing. Point, he's like, he gives her a look when he says, you know who I report to. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, she finds a way to make the deal work. And I thought, okay, well, so she's signaling to him, like, the boss approves, take this deal. Which would have been so much more interesting to me than, you know. Well, like, what, what is her motivation? Is she after power? Is she just, Career? is she afraid? Like, is she, like enslaved and she has no choice is she secretly a pupil of the dark side like i have no idea oh i would love to see a million i mean let's photoshop a lightsaber in amelia clark's i mean if you want to go that way that's fine but like they didn't commit to anything really no they don't even tell you the nature of her relationship with crimson dawn because it's just dark things i mean it kind of seemed like she was more or less a slave of Crimson Dawn and she took the opportunity now that Dryden Voss was dead to like take over his gang and like report directly to Maul. Like at least the impression I got watching the movie was not that she was like the secret leader, you know, behind the curtains of Crimson Dawn. It was just like mm-hmm. she was just jumping on an opportunity that presented itself. Yeah. 
and and I don't know why. I'm not sure what's in it for her. I don't know why she would prefer this to running off with Han, her theoretical true love or whatever. I mean, she seems to be pretty into him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they, they had some hot kisses in there. Like a setup. When they're in Lando's closet, like they were definitely about to smash. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know why she. It's like, does she want power more than she wants to be with Han? Is that it? Like, she clearly went out of her way to kind of like protect him and be like, I don't know who killed Dryden Voss. I wasn't there. I'm not mentioning Han Solo to you. So it's like she kind of cares about him, but she still wants to be. I don't know, Maul's right hand girl. Like it, it just made no sense to me. And it, it's not like I really want a Boba Fett movie or anything, but like we all know that like Han Solo is supposed to have some sort of past with Boba Fett. It would make mm-hmm. sense in a Han Solo movie for him to like have Boba Fett coming after him. And like, that's the movies he's got to dodge a bunch of bounty hunters or something like, there you go. There's your movie. Yeah. Or just have him be in the, like one of the crews. With this movie, mm-hmm. like I don't trust these guys. <laughs> Boba Fett there at the poker table in his helmet and uniform. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, like he uh, at one point he goes all in with the jetpack. <laughs> these cards are no good to me. Fold. <laughs> or like he puts in like the uh, the pink slip or whatever to like the slave one, <laughs> and Lana's like, the first thing I'll do when I win it is change the name, baby. All right. Uh, should we get to our make one change? I mean, I guess I've been kind of talking about some changes it could have made there. Yeah, I mean, uh, by all means, go for it. I mean, I've got a couple suggestions. Number one, I'd, I'd like to introduce the idea of montages to Star Wars. Word. Like, if ever there was a movie that could have demanded a few montages, it's this movie to kind of like show the passage of time. Like, oh, look, he's at the Imperial Academy. He's doing well. Oh, no, his superior officers don't like him, you know? He's questioning authority or, oh, look, he's joined Tobias Beckett's gang. They're getting along well. He doesn't really like what they're doing, though. He feels conflicted about it. You know, like there's a couple easy two to three minute montages where they could have communicated like, oh, Han's learning to do this. His character is developing in this way. Time is passing, you know. Yeah. Do you have any changes? No, I mean. I the movie's just I mean I would have gone back to the drawing board. It's it's like comedy written by Feel, Kazan. Feels like it could have like, used another few passes, right? Well, just like, on a conceptual level, though. Like, where's the guy arguing to like not put the Kessel Run in mm-hmm. there? <laughs> like, pick you have like four or five big tenets of like Han Solo, like totems on his timeline or whatever. Like, pick two, stick with two, and be confident. Yeah. Be confident enough, like Marvel is, to, to plant your flag and be like, we're just doing this one right now. We're not trying I to mean, do I, it all. I respect the nature of, like, let's not go do Jabba in this movie because we have seen Jabba in two movies already. Three movies already, mm-hmm. but two with Han. Like, <sighs> let me give know. you another. Just, let me give you another. And change. It just again, he's like he's not even the star of his own movie. Like even in a learning capacity, I feel like at times. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Go. A bigger change than just uh, put making both that be the hologram at the end. You start out the movie with Han and Kira doing some sort of like solid hustle to not only mm-hmm. introduce 
that element of Han and like, oh, he knows how to play cards. Oh, they're hustlers. And also like, hey, audience, this is how Savic works. This will be important later. Mm-hmm. So that, and then you follow it up, you know, at the midpoint at like Canto Bite or whatever, when you meet Lando and they do some more hustling and then follow it up at the end with the card game where he wins like a little three beat there rather than mm-hmm. just like, here's Savic. We don't know what's going on, but it, appear, it appears that he has won. Oh, no, wait, he hasn't won. You know, mm-hmm. he throws down a card that means nothing to us, the audience, and we're just supposed to react. Anyway, let's get to power rankings. Yeah, I have just the 10. Yeah, I've got 10. I probably forgot someone, but oh well. Who's okay. your 10? I, I know I've I know I definitely forgot someone. Uh my number 10, somewhat under protest, is Rio Durant. <laughs> under protest. Well, I would have I would have been comfortable leaving him off, but Okay. Oh, I feel like I was leaving off plenty of other characters. Oh, I left someone off. I'll tell you that. Okay, I, I wonder if it's the same person I left on. Mm-hmm. Find out. My, my number 10 was L3. I really wanted to like this character. I started li- li- really liking her, and she just got on my nerves as the movie went along. Yeah. So, I, you've answered my question. We do not have the same. Uh, my number 9 is probably the one you've left off. It's Maul. Mm. Yeah. Didn't make my list. Fuck him. Again, if he just said, fuck the pikes. And also, apparently, it was like uh, Ray Winstone British. I would have been totally into it. Come with me to Deathmere, blah, blah, blah. I, the guy, that Sam Witwer guy, I just find him so uncompelling as a vocal presence for this character, too. Yeah. I watched a few Rebels clips before we recorded. Mm. I really hate the way they do the lightsabers. They're too skinny. I hate everything the actual about plates, that show. It's, it's not just that they're too skinny on the on the show. It's that... When they actually show the hilt of the lightsaber, like where the, the blade comes out, you can see that there's plenty of like circumference around the actual laser sword. Mm-hmm. Like they're purposely on like skinny power saver mode or something. It fucking drives me nuts. Yeah, I don't, I don't like the animation of that or Clone Wars. Uh, my number nine is Rio, Rio Durant. It just eh. mm-hmm. fake Robert Rock, fake rocket. I can't even talk right now. Fake rocket raccoon. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number eight is Val Beckett. Is that her name, Val Beckett? According to Wikipedia, huh. I, uh, is it Wikipedia or Wikipedia? I went to Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. I haven't gone to Wikipedia on this yet. Check Wikipedia on that. Yeah, check the uh, check the root source there. Mm-hmm. I um, I mean, I um, I love Tandy Newton. She's fantastic in everything. Uh, I enjoyed her character here. I mean, what she brought to it. I kind of wish there was more of her. I would not have minded if like Tobias Beckett died and she was like the character who continued on. That would have been fine. That would have been kind of an interesting dynamic too, since she never actually wanted him well, and, on the job. And now, then you now have the, the, the two line. women and which one can you trust type of thing. Yeah, that would yeah. be interesting. Well, but just having in this kind of s- smarter, newer Star Wars, like having Han learn from two women would mm-hmm. be very interesting, especially after growing up with Lady Proxima. All right. Who do I have? Number eight. I have Dryden Voss. Okay. Which I feel like we haven't talked to yet about how dumb that name is, but. Yeah. Dryden Voss is my number seven. Dryden Voss, meow. Um, it's. I mean, other than the face stuff, you could convince me this is just like 
backstage uh, dressing room footage from uh, Paul Bettany's life, for all I know. Yeah, I think uh, he dresses that way normally. So according to Wikipedia, it's just Val, not Val okay. Beckett, which I, I did not get a married vibe from them. Like, and I, I saw, like, I think it's a somewhat fair thing to say that she gets fridged in this movie. Although, mm-hmm. I think you could argue that she isn't based on how Tobias reacts to it, which is to say not at all. Yeah, like that. I guess that's a little bit of a hint of where his character is going. That he seemingly doesn't give a shit. Yeah. But yeah, I'm never send this Dryden Voss because I just it wasn't as interesting. Yeah, at Infus Nest, nearly as interesting as it needed to be. Yeah, at Infus Nest at number seven, I found her character really interesting. I'm not sure if she really fits into the movie very well, but it felt cool in Star Warsy, so I was into it. Um, my number six is uh, Tobias Beckett. I, again, like you said, I think at the start of this, there are some interesting characters here, and there are some great performances like delivered by actors who who are game for this kind of material. Woody Harrelson is one of them. There's just it's I don't have any problem with Alden Ehrenreich. I I still think he's the superior casting, and I want to kind of go again at the end of this to talk about the names that were up for this role, these Mm. roles, but, um, it's Woody Harrelson and he just takes over most of the scenes that he's in by the nature of his character, by the nature of his performance. I feel like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I had Kira at number six, um, Mm. would have liked to put her higher. I just, I almost felt like they undercut her entire character with the way they ended it. Like rather than giving her, a specific dramatic moment to play it it got very muddled and weird and it's like i thought i knew where they were going and now she's like this weird enigma but not in a good way and it, it kind of i think it undercut her own character's agency a little bit to suddenly just be like all right i'll join up with you darth maul for some reason that even i am not explaining yeah all right. yeah my number five is uh it's got to be Lando. Wow. How interested is who you have in your top numbers? My number five and my number four have kind of switched back and forth. But uh, right now, five is Lando. Okay. Ed Beckett at number five. Old Tobler and mm. Beckett there. He's fine. Um, it just, I don't know. It, it felt like he was super, not superfluous, but like there's too many too many arrivals for Hans trust, I guess. Mm. All right. Here you got number four. He just hand, he just tosses him a gun. It's like, there's no interesting story there. Yeah. Hey, here's a gun. There's, it's uh, it's whenever- definitely not like when, uh, Tuco goes and like assembles, it's like perfect revolver and the good, the bad and the ugly. It's not that scene. That's for sure. No. And I don't quite want a Han Solo movie to be. Godridge. You know, as, spaghetti western but uh are you telling me that you wouldn't be into a scene like that though where he's just like asking for three different guns and then he puts them together i don't know it'd be kind of cool yeah that would be fun uh my number four is emphasis nest um i really dig this character each time this character appeared i had more and more fun with her um i just feel like she's off to an interesting movie that i I don't know. I kind of worried about where Star Wars is now. If they'll do anything interesting with that, I'm worried that she's going to go be in a Dave Filoni cartoon. I'm just worried that she's like, oh, they're going to give her a fucking comic book. You know, like I don't know. It That's just, all it, she gets. It feels like they're not building their universe the way they should be. Like if they want 
if they want that Marvel connected universe thing, they're not doing it the right way right now. Speaking of comic books, I have noticed passing on the internet and I love it. There's a panel taken from like uh, one of the more recent issues of like the Poe Dameron comic. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Where it's, it's there on the, they're on the Falcon after last Jedi and he's like explaining something. Let me explain the force to you. Yeah. Yeah. And she's doing this perfect eye roll. Mm -hmm. It's 100% not an accident. (laughs) Uh, Who's your number four? Uh, Han. Okay. Han, my boy. Yeah. um, He's fine. He's he's not Harrison Ford. It, he just isn't, but he's fine. He is a beautiful creature. Um, yeah, my number three is actually Han Solo. It's it's not that Aaron Reich is bad. He's he's doing the occasional like mannerism or body language thing that he's that he's obviously gotten from like watching Harrison Ford's performance. It's just that I don't feel like we never really get a grasp on this character. And to me, he ultimately comes off like a like more than a little bit naive. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like, feel like we'd gotten the true transition to cynical Han Solo, which is fine if you've got like a trilogy planned out or something. But if this is the only move you're going to make, then it's like, well, I feel like you didn't even accomplish what you're trying to do. The moment that I should have loved in his performance is it's a bit where I think the last scene of Enfys Nest where she asks him, you know, at some point you might reconsider and join our rebellion. He doesn't say anything. He just yeah. kind of smiles like, and shakes nah, his head. Yeah. Like, that should have been great. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. What's your three? My number three is Chewbacca the Wookiee. Interesting. Okay. He's uh, probably has his most action in this movie, I would think, than any of the movies. I did think it was a little weird how like some other Wookiees popped up there in the Kessel Rebellion and like the camera was like, we're going to make sure to never let you really get a good look at their faces. Even though one of them's Anthony Daniels. Yeah. Is that is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. One of them. One of the. Well, one of the guys, one of the Wookiees appears to have like not a hairy face. It was like Mm a to me. I read that as that's a female Wookiee. Um, okay. But it was they so hairy faces. The camera was like moving around constantly, so that I couldn't really get a good look. I don't. I don't know that that is a female Wookiee, but I just to me, I I don't. I'm not saying this is like from the can or anything. It was just like this Wookiee looks much different than the other ones. Maybe it's because it's a girl Wookiee, you know. Mm. Well, that scene is all that's a problem because Chewie goes off to do this thing, and Han is like not broken up about it like it doesn't he's it doesn't feel like, doesn't like really they've parted forever enough. it doesn't feel like that's the last time he'll see you uh but it also it's like Chewbacca. they're like what happened is he like coming back and he's like i don't know it's yeah like, yeah it's, maybe it's give odd. shit you're under like you're in a firefight here you're yeah heist in a firefight mm-hmm. uh was that number two we're on number two now that was chewy is my number three so yeah so my number two is chewbacca um I feel like there's some more interesting stuff happening with his character. Um, oh, do we talk about Han oh, speaking Wookiee? No, we didn't. Not a fan. Sorry. Yeah, it's dumb. Mm-hmm. I just don't think you should have explained it. Like that he knows it or anything. They should have just kept the usual thing where or he understands it. Yeah. Yeah. And that no one talks about it. He doesn't have to translate. Um, I, that's what makes Chewie a fun character is that you only get the reaction, you know, like the great Ray moment from the Last Jedi. Tell him 
Yeah, tell them that. Yeah. Well, all, all Star Wars characters, too. Even the fucking droids. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like reacting to BB-8 or R2. Mm-hmm. There is a moment, I want to say, in Empire where Luke gets the readout of like what R2 is saying in the cockpit. Mm-hmm. And I'm always kind of shocked by that because it's like you've never needed that before or after. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's because they're in space. But uh, yeah, Chewbacca, I mean, it's. I would agree with you. Like, you know, I don't need to be, see him like be like the pit fighter or whatever. It's not even the thing from Return of the Jedi. It's like the fucking uh, uh, Komodo dragons from like, from, like mm. Skyfall. Ooh. Almost what it is. Yeah, it's a bad compare. But, yeah, but it's like uh, I, I just thought in general there was more interesting stuff happening with Chewie as far as an origin story, and I'm like really kind of feeling the body language of this new younger guy. Yeah, like, physical. He seems more comfortable in his physicality, and it's like lending itself to like young Chewie. Um, like I said, like there's just a moment where he just nails the like upset that kira gets that co-pilot seat i just man honest imperial officer his superior is like whipping and about to kill Chewie, and he stops him and frees Chewie. they end up like freeing the whole wookie contingent there and it's like Chewie decides to stay because han saved his life and so he owes him a life debt and it's like there's all sorts of drama you could pull out of that little moment you know and mm-hmm. instead it's like i don't know just a couple faceless stormtroopers joking about who he's going to eat and how long Han will last. Yeah. What's he? My number two is Lando Calrissian. Okay. I would, I almost put a number one. I have to give him a slight demerit for uh, him crying over his uh, dead pile of junk there. But uh, otherwise very fun. I would absolutely go see a Lando movie with Donald Glover. And I think it could be a ton of fun. I almost would think that maybe like Donald Glover should have a little more creative control over that project though. Mm-hmm. Like as a, at least he should like be able to chime level. in and say, yeah, I'm not doing the droid thing. Yeah. Or I am doing mm-hmm. the droid. If we're going to do this, thing. we're doing it my way, like a trailer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go take a year off and write some fight scenes and like fuck my dishwasher and just really get in that mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, my number one is Kira. Uh, all the reasons you mentioned about why she was low on your list or lower on your list is, is all viable and true. To me, it's all Amelia Clark. I think this is a franchise where like in this role, she could have really thrived and she's super watchable in this role. And just, captivating in a, in a way that like even again i'm not complaining about him but even alden ehrenreich isn't i mean i guess you um, could say just something makes you want to follow her character i guess you could say they still have the opportunity to steer into that more right? but as yeah as a as a fan of her like ongoing career i feel like she's obviously slotted herself into a, this franchise a lot better than she did in, like the terminator nonsense <laughs> that's a bad movie not because uh, of her but just in general yeah. I never saw the the paraplegic romance that people really hate the uh, mindset behind. But is that um, me without you? Is that what that is? Yeah, I've heard yeah. she's good in it, but yeah, I didn't see it. Yeah, which is funny. Is that the same guy who's now um, potentially paralyzed or Shane Lee Woodley in the uh, boat movie? Oh, it's a dude from uh, Finnick. Dude, the Trident, right? 
is Finnick, is that his name? Yes, I think it's Finnick. Yeah, Finnick. Finnick. Yeah. I've seen a lot he's of trailers for that like movie. Young... So can I make a yeah, prediction about I, he's that? Got, he's got he's got kind of a young Christopher Reeve quality to me. Huh. Can I make a prediction about that movie Adrift? I wish you would. I think he dies in the uh the storm and she's imagining him through the rest of the movie. Hmm. That's my prediction. I could be kind of like uh, I kind of wonder if it would be like Clooney and uh, Gravity. Obviously, he's mm, like parallel. Yeah. Like, I didn't think you were gonna make it. <laughs> Should I go see a drift? I have movie pass. For a little while longer. I don't want to see a drift. Yeah, I don't know. It looks rough. It's yeah. I don't. I always feel a little bit bad when I see an actress that I kind of like and like. They, their director has like encouraged them to like go all the way to 10 like just scream like mm-hmm. like she's like screaming and yelling into her like radio you know like it just it, it's like j-law in um the second hunger games movie like where she's mm-hmm. just freaking out about Peta like a little too much like it just hmm, just take it down a little bit the uh the direction is do the thing you're gonna do in the scripture but do it real ugly yeah, we're just full of ten, just gro- like ugly crying, ugly screaming. I wanted that thing where your tears and your snot merge into one viscous fluid, and then you're spit you are out. Anymore. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. my number one is Val. I realize Val has almost nothing to do in this movie and is killed like immediately, but I really liked her character, so I put her number one. And she felt to me like she just fits right into the Star Wars universe. I could. For a while, I thought maybe she had a like a bionic arm, but she doesn't. She just has like these weird like tubes on it or whatever. Like I don't know, everything about her character just felt right, and it, it's like, yes, you are a scoundrel who's an outlaw in the Star Wars universe, and you do odd jobs and rob trains. Yes, thank you for pointing that out. She has the weird tubes on her limbs. I'm very curious about that. Mm-hmm. I, I had to watch a second time. I was like, does she have a robot arm? It would be kind of cool if she does, uh, but no, it looks like she had both her hands. I would love it if you if you went back for the second time just to answer that question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the thing about Val is I think she's found a new voice, darling. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, would you recommend this movie? It's a it's what's the softest possible recommend I can give? I mean, with all the caveats, with all the warnings, you know. I mean, no expectations, sure. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I just, I don't know what Lucasfilm thinks they're doing at these spinoff movies. It, it almost feels like they're trying to have it both ways where like the saga movies are sort of these more highbrow, like serious films. And then their spinoffs are just like pure fan service. Um, it feels like a mixed message. It doesn't feel cohesive. Yeah. And it's like they announced these movies probably like five years ago. Like we've been having the same conversation for five years where it's like, I don't understand how they're going to make these spinoff movies work. And it seems like they haven't figured it out themselves either. <laughs> no. And th- the problem is they're not ideas coming from like the creative people carrying them out. You know what I mean? It's not like, like they had an idea for a rogue. They were going to do a movie called Rogue One before they had a director in place or what have you. Um, it just doesn't seem it, like they they're committing to a master plan it's it's kind of like yeah Han should get a an origin movie and like oh maybe we'll do an obi-wan movie but like there's nothing really tying it together 
at all. And so it just feels like this random one-off like fan service enterprise, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I will say this. Let me put the, let me put this in context too. I need this movie to be more financially successful than rogue one. It's not going to be. Yeah. I don't think it is either, but that would be my sincere desire. I think it's more worthy of it than rogue one, but um, yeah. Yeah. This movie at least has three acts, all of which contain entertaining scenes. Mm. Anyhow, what are we going to talk about next week? That's a great question. What are we going to talk about next week? Let me throw out an idea for you. Oh, just download this movie. Okay. I'd heard about this movie a while ago and I just, I don't know, and it came and went from theaters. Never saw it out there. Uh, Tragedy Girls. Oh, okay. Have you seen it? No, I've been wanting to see it for a while now. Yeah. As have I. Yeah, it was like it did like the uh, the smaller theaters, it seemed like, real quickly. It was like there and gone if it was out at all. Yeah. For, I mean, this, that movie is firmly in our wheelhouse, from mm-hmm. my understanding of it. Um, and for our listeners out there, I believe it's on Hulu. Is it? Okay. I believe so. Yeah, I'm into that. Let's do that. All right. It's got a Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Yes, it does. Who should have her own movie? Uh, I've only had Yukio too. Oh, can I can I just mention I was not a huge fan of Yukio. It just I it think... seemed kind of stereotyped. I I I got like kind of like a, a gross feeling from her character. Like it just like oh you're just the Asian girl who smiles, and you're not like a serious character. Well, but I thought it was funny is how quickly they were like ready to accept their medals and their awards for including like Negasonic Teenage Warhead having a girlfriend. Yeah. I don't know. I just I I felt like Yukio could have been like a real person instead of a caricature. Yeah, yeah. Imagine if if Negasonic Teenage Warhead had been dating a a, a person or a character who was also a girl. That'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean, again, it's like we're complaining about lack of proper representation in a Deadpool movie. Deadpool <laughs> sequel even. <laughs> All right. So, next week Tragedy Girls. Yes. Until then, have a good one. The force be with you. Always. Always.